Wow. Episode 14. I've got a very special guest today, Jay Cunning. Um, and we're flipping the script today because I'm just introducing the show <laughs> and now Jay's going to be interviewing me. Uh, it's about the Dark Soldier book. It's about, I suppose, our, our lifelong work. So I'm going to hand it all over to Jay. Thank we you. might play some records, we might not. We might play some tunes that have had an influence and an impact on either what I've done or what I've, or what we've created or what it meant to me. But over to you, Jay. Nice. Cool, thank, thank you. you for coming no, over. Listen, uh, it's an honour to be on and be asked to do it, mate. It's been uh, really intriguing to read the book and dig into your life story. You know, part of the reason why this is so interesting, right, is that, you know, there were fanzines and stuff around back in the day, but none of the big music magazines covered the hardcore into kind of jungle and then obviously once they got big into drum and bass they covered it so there's so many stories that are, that are left untold you know you think of this mad melting pot of of people and raves and communities and all these djs and mcs and punters all got their own link into it and now all those things are coming out so yeah it's an honor to kind of be Thank here and, uh, and dig into that um so i wanted to start off and think uh, and ask you about that first musical connection, like when you when you heard something or you were in a situation where music, you connected with music. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was my dad and my mum. There was, like like in the book, um, my dad had a lot of friends around. They used to play the guitar. Um, my family were quite musical. My, on my mum's side, bit nuts but she played the accordion and they would be playing the, the the guitar so there was music around and 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 you know my dad introduced me to eight track cartridge my mum had seven inches funny enough i've got this little pile of records in my studio and every monday morning i do yoga and and i am um, on a zoom with my teacher and i go past my mum every every monday yeah, and i yeah. look down and i go I've got to play those records this week. And then obviously you get caught up in life. So she was a big influence on me. Yeah. Um, my family originally were from Mauritius. So that was, there was um, Indian music in the house all the time. Yeah. All the old films. My mum, every Sunday, we used to go up to uh, the cinemas and, and they used to take us up to the cinemas to watch all these uh, early Bollywood movies, Amitabh Bachchan and... Oh God, there were so many of them. And my mum used to play all the tunes at home. And then my dad was into rock and roll, the Beatles. My mum my had like anything from Diana Ross to Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, to, you know, bits on Motown, Elvis Presley. It was just a lot of a, a melting pot of kind of soul, jazz and and, and early dance music and, yeah. and, and reggae, Bob Marley. So that's how it all kind of yeah. started. But that one definitive, I had a few, but when I was growing up, I listened to punk, some punk records because obviously the eras of at school. So that, when I heard um, Sid Vicious and uh, and I heard The Clash and then I heard The Police and, and then I, and then, and those were the early days. I mean, the very first tune, it was in my book, uh, there was a band called Focus. Yeah. Um, and they were like a hippie psychedelic. My uncle introduced me okay. to that album. Yeah. Because he had a stack system and I can remember it. It all had lights on it. I was only eight. <laughs> I went around and I was like, what the hell's this? And then he said, Farad, come over here. And he played the tunes. And I was like, wow. And he gave me 
it on tape. Yeah. So I was able to go back. But there, a lot of my family, one of my uncles, he owned a secondhand uh, UK first and foremost, and they had electrical and electronic gear in there. So yeah. my dad came back and would always come back with things. And my first thing was a Grundig tape deck. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was just apparent that something was going to pop. Yeah. But yeah. and another time when it changed, when when I when I first heard electronic music at that at a next level. Well, I was already listening to Depeche Mode, orchestral music, maneuvers in the dark. Uh, um, Alison Moyer, I was all, already listening to soul, rare groove and jazz at the same time because yeah. everything seemed to have a parallel. You know, yeah, you had that yeah. soul funk yeah. and then you had what was going on, yeah. Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet, all those amazing bands. But when I heard I Feel Love, Donna Summer. <laughs> That's the one. That Patrick Cowley mix, and I, 15 minutes, and it was just kept, it kept going. And I was like, when's this tune going to end? It was a masterpiece. I was like, these tunes don't go on for this long. And it was 15 minutes. They yeah. played it on Radio 1 because I was a bit naughty when I was at school. And my dad was always forever grounding me. So I'd be rubbing cars down in, and doing gardening, growing potatoes. and Because my grandfather comes from, uh, he was a fruit and veg guy. Yeah, yeah. So my old man, the way he used to discipline me, apart from the belt in his hand, was you're not going anywhere and you're going to have to clean the cars. Work hard. Yeah, work hard. And 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 I was just... But I would say that music saved my life because it stopped me. Because I was angry when I was young, you know, like, I, got, like my mum my and dad split up and... I was just angry. So as a young, angry kid of the eight, born of the 60s coming into the 80s, like a lot of divorced parents, yeah, there yeah. was a huge influx of divorces. So, but yeah, those tunes, you know, like Message in a Bottle, when I heard that for the first time, I was like, you know, that was kind of reggae and it was white dudes playing reggae. So it was, it, I didn't, it, it was all new to me. Right, was, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was obviously, uh, I, there was only a few people of colour around me and I hadn't found anything apart from what, what was being fed from either Radio Caroline, Tony yeah. Blackburn playing yeah, yeah. black music, and then later on Robbie Vincent on Radio 1. And then I'd go on to listen to Jeff Young and then Pete Tong and my mate on, on, on Radio Orwell, Buster Brooker, John Leach. These were people that I couldn't, I heard, I'd heard of, but yeah. but but they weren't within my realm, yeah. or I didn't think they were in my reach. Right? Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But I was, yeah, I was elbowing my way through <laughs> as you do. But yeah, those those were very important days, and just jumping out of my bedroom window, fully dressed, onto the ledge, onto the floor, and then running all the way up to uh, go to. Uh, a place called the Embassy Suite and catching the last hour with Dave Malone. It's a great, re reading that story in the book was actually hilarious. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> Dave Malone, like, yeah. you know, these geezers, they, when I, and he used to play tunes, you know, set it off, you know, like when I heard doubts like this, and when I heard Man Parish, yeah. Bebop, Hip Hop, and the frequencies, and I suppose that is the connection of what you think, hang on a minute, why is this doing this to me? And it was the vibration of the change. Do you know what? It's also about when you first hear that music in a club, right? You hear it on radio and it's coming through these tinny speakers or it's, you know, you're hearing what you're hearing, right? But it's when you actually connect to it in a club, you're like, oh, 
this is how it's intended to be experienced. So that must have been a whole new level of discovering that music for you. Yeah, well. definitely. I think when I first started going to the Embassy Suite, the industry standard was the Citronic decks. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember, like, they, they were in in a case? Yeah. And um, that was well before they'd got onto Quartz Digital Lock. That was the original setup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when they did get the techniques in the club, which was Laristo's, and I was still young then, super young, uh, my dad bought me a Pioneer deck. Uh, yeah, one with a very speed pitch on it. One mm. of the first early... Blimey, if I'd kept that deck, it'd be worth some dough now. Because that was one of their first original pitch desks with a con yeah. kind of their own yeah. Concord needle. Yeah. So I had one garage deck. and my, But my dad was very supportive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like He'd always bring back stuff. I'd made my own light box. And, <laughs> oh, God. Like, when you just think of where you came from and how we used to... like. My dad used to let me go and set it up at my cousin's house, and I'd actually DJ like yeah, no. with my own. And how old? How old were you? When I this would have was... been about fourteen. Yeah, yeah. 14. But by now you've kind of got a record collection. You've got a few little records. I'm, in. I'm starting to. Yeah, my cousin Shadek, um, all the five star loose ends, Michael Jackson. They were buying imports. Mm. My good friend Stephen Bain. Um, love you, Steve. Like from Claxton on Sea, graffiti artist. He's did and has done most of my artwork alongside Damon from Paper Graveyard. Uh, so we, it's a long history, Jay, of yeah. connections with people. Yeah. We use the same people. Uh, unfortunately, Damon died I, and, and Damon was linked with Mickey Finn. Right, yeah. And, and he used to do a lot of work for Mickey. He used to do a lot of work for me. He invented the Ram logo. He invented... Nice. Uh, Pez did the original Dread with the tubes coming out of the head. Yeah, yeah. And then, because... That's mad, because... Um, uh, Jay Pender from Well Dance had set up an office and these guys were working in the office and then we were subcontracting to them to do our artwork, <laughs> but it was all in within yeah. the same place. Yeah. And then Damon shot off and went and did his own thing. Yeah. And then I went with him yeah. uh, through Mickey. And, uh, oh, I mean, you, just by the covers, you can see the art. It's a piece of art. Mm. You know, I've always been into art. Uh, I haven't got round to drawing or spraying yet, but I, yeah. I believe that's going to come. I think that's important, you know, to look at, you know, back in the day, right, you know, if you look at sort of kind of where the 91, 92, there was a lot of white labels that were out there, you know, people were sampling heavy and it was just, you know, you had to kind of keep that uh, anonymous element to it. But when you had those labels that had invested in the artwork, you know, it really kind of meant something. You know, you'd walk into a record shop and you'd go, yeah, that's a moving shadow, that's a dread, that's a this. You know, you just grab it because you just recognise what it was there. And I think that's, it's kind of come around full cycle now. You know, there is a kind of vinyl resurgence and it's really good to see the, the labels that are doing that are investing heavily. You know, they're bringing, getting Junior Tomlin to do artwork and all these kind of legends from back there to get that authenticity to it. Um, let's talk a little bit about where... You know, you've obviously established as a very young kid a huge musical influence from, from your family around you. You're getting involved in the equipment from your dad and the shops and stuff coming in. When is it you're kind of, because you actually got into DJing before, you know, the Acid House and all the kind of old school stuff kind of kicked off. Let's talk about kind of how you got into that side of it, because that's quite interesting to me that, you know, you'd already kind of had a certain element of experience before you'd even reached into that? I think I've, I'd earned my stripes as we, 
if you look at everybody who's been in this business for 20 or 30 years, I'm not, I'm not the only one, yeah. but that's how we came up, Jay. Yeah. And, 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 and that's where we get our stripes from. And I'm not knocking the younger generation, but it's just too easy. You know, like yeah. it, th there's no uh, carrying boxes. There's no watching your peers. It's just, yeah, I could do that. And you're straight in. Yeah. And actually you're thrown in at the deep end. Yeah. And your life expectancy is probably three years <laughs> if you don't look after your career yeah. and you're here, they're gone. Yeah. And, and, and there's no depth to it. And I think all the people that I've managed to bring through um, is that experience of what I had. So I was a sole rare groove and jazz DJ for 10 years. Yeah. I was playing on the same circuit as Cole Cox. Yeah. Ipswich, Cambridge I was playing for Stu Banks. Yeah. There was another geezer called Kenny Khan that I was doing soul nights for, um, who, who went on to do jungle parties. But, you know, Laristos, um, in Colchester and Jimmy Dixon and these people were integral. Dave Malone, um, they, they they gave us a platform to play. I was putting on parties at 16 at Woods Leisure Centre. Uh, and I didn't even have to mix properly then. Yeah. I was just fading in and fading out. Yeah. But I knew what I wanted to play. Yeah. And yeah. I was booking DJs like Pogo. And that already grew me in good stead because I was playing... that The new music then was hip-hop. Yeah. And actually, when I watched... Um, when I watched, because Hank Shockley's a good friend of ours, he, he's, you know, and I watched the documentary yesterday of um, what they've just aired on the BBC. I think it was um, Prophets of Rage. It's a, right, a, okay. And, yeah. and it just tells you the story of how the music came together, how sampling came together. Yeah. Um, and probably that was when I was in New York and I met him and this guy said to me, yo, this is, Hank from PE and I was like PE I was like PE and then my head my, it was like a typewriter ding fall wake up and then I was like what PE and then I just heard that brothers and sisters I don't know what the world is coming to and I turned around and he went yo I got some of your records, man. And I was looking at him and thinking, what? Like, I was buying <laughs> Must have been really surreal, right? It was, it was. And then we went out for breakfast and we've become very good friends. And yeah. I mean, public enemy knows what I do. I mean, that was revolutionary. But growing up in, in, in a tough uh, environment, racist environment, where there, were, there, there had been no integration as yeah. of yet yeah. until the 80s and the 90s came yeah. um that that was an amazing time to be growing up i yeah. don't i wouldn't actually it's funny cuz dave in my book says to me right at the end of the book Ray, would you change anything and i actually went no i wouldn't you know mm. because that learning curve and that oppression cuz those tunes wouldn't have been made them that soul funk rare groove jazz Acid jazz revolution would have never happened. Yeah, yeah. And electronic music would have never happened. Independency would have never happened. And um, I, I guess it's a, it's a reflection of when you were talking about the la the labels and, and the identity. That young guy who just passed away, Jamal R.I.P. Yeah. Who, who uh, uh, brought up the SB SBTV. Yeah. SBTV. So yeah. see something like him, right? I did. I knew of his work, but I didn't know exactly who he was until they they shone a light on him. But look at what the legacy's left, and it's true. What he quoted was, um, uh, "We, um, you know, we don't live forever, but the." 
the, the plan is to build something that does. Yeah, that was very, I, I, when I saw that, I was like, wow. That and is when amazing. I when I heard that, I was like, what? Well, well, like he is just after the Wileys and the Dizzies, and that's what we've tried to do as independent people that love black music and it doesn't matter whether you're white or black or brown or mm. to me it's for the love of that cultural uh, music that takes reggae that takes techno that takes hip-hop because if you look at what public enemy were doing they were sampling everyone it didn't yeah. really matter yeah but yeah. what they were doing was pushing that sound i mean the first time you heard that kettle you said what is this <laughs> What, why does this sound so hard and so dark, but yet so soulful? Yeah. And that was what I built my philosophy on music was like, it's going to be in your face yeah. when you're going to hear it and yeah. you're going to know you're going to hear it. Yeah. And, I, and that's what the, the legacy I wanted to pass on of what I'd learned from the likes of Bobby Bird, James Brown, Lynn Collins, sampling all of them and going, well, this music has to carry on. Yeah. And that's interesting you say that because one of the things that's really interesting, you know, go, reading through your life stories that you always stuck to your guns. You went against the grain. You know, there was that dread sound, something that you'd built up, you'd, you'd created, you'd nurtured it. And even when the dynamics of the scene had moved, you're like, no, I know what my, my path is. And actually, it is interesting because now it has come back round. And, you know, you talk about the serums and, and the Blade Runners that, you know, took that original kind of those rough breaks, those bass lines, and, and, and it's kind of come round full circle. You know, I read that and I thought about, you know, I thought about the dubstep scene, you know, so, something becomes big overnight, but as the famous saying goes, right, you know, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success, right? And it's about sticking to your guns and keeping with it. Uh, the reason why I mentioned that, I think that mixed with uh, just reading about the type of kind of character that you are, how resilient you are, how self-aware you are, um, how honest you are with you are. You know, you talk about, you know, I'm not the golden child anymore. I'm not I'm not the new kid on the block. That's that's long gone. But that realisation, really, I think, is why you're still standing here Thank today, you. right? Yeah, I, I think, well, there's, there's several angles to that. Um, I was speaking to a good friend of mine. You see, like, and how you were talking earlier on is so right because there are so many of us that are connected. Uh, you might not even know that connection. Mm -hmm. I might never speak about that connection yeah. because it's just like it happened 10, 20, 30 years ago. It might ha have happened five or 10 years ago, but it's the input that you have and that impression that you leave because you've got to hand it over. And I'm not scared of that. And I was speaking to Terry T and he was like, you know what I love about you, Ray? You're not scared to bring the next one in. Mm. And, and to me, it's like, if you want this thing to evolve, you've got to sow seeds. Now, some of them seeds don't come back <laughs> um, and that's fine. And some do. Yes. Uh, some you get burnt. I got burnt recently. Mm. I was shocked how burnt I got. Um, but I phoned one of my friends and I reasoned with him and he was like a guru and he's like, he's like, and he was, he was in the scene deep. He knows how it is. And he went, Ray, it's not about loyalty. It's about ego. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, I've never been about that. I'm humble. I love music. I wake up. I've given my life, dedicated my life uh, to, to music, and that's not going to change because right. I'm, I'm passionate about it. But what I wanted to do was leave a legacy that that people, um, and we've been so fortunate. I mean, Carl Cox did a 
something on Radio 1 a little while ago and my mate rang me up and went, no, he's just quoted you, like proper talking about you going, oh, I know, I've known Ray for years. We were on the same circuit. We were playing at Hollywoods in Ipswich together and I was playing for the Banks, uh, uh, Stuart Banks and his brother Dave Banks. Yeah. Sadly passed away. But the history goes so deep. You know, I was booking Trevor Fung, Colin at BCM, we, we you know, in the house days. Yeah. So I was lucky to be have a have a career in soul rare groove and jazz then move on to acid house yeah as all of my peers did yeah because yeah. fab groove frost kenny um randall um mickey uh da everybody came from that journey and yeah. we all kind of met in london and then it was like right and um when i did my um uh uh my testimonials i I mean, on some of the interviews, I was just, I ended up in, in, in tears because I was emotional because they, as men, we don't really talk about it and, and you ju we just go forward, yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, and it was really touching, you know, some of the things that Frost and Brian said, uh, some of the things that Fabio and Groove, Mickey, Darren, everybody in the book, you know, and I was like, and, you know, Goldie, and I was like, shit, man, we, we did a lot. We have done a but it's only when you look back. Yeah. And I also wanted to set the record straight from my, from our point of view, is I wanted to, I wanted to tell the story because I'd been in the shop. Yeah. Um, we were integral to a lot of people's gateways. And, um, and I thought- There were huge community hubs there. Yeah, there. yeah. Was... You know, Bookham said, the, uh, like on one of the testimonials, he said, he gave me some amazing, Props. He was like, if it wasn't for you, we might not even be doing what we're doing. Because, because th there was a point where I was putting the same records away. Everything that because Pete Tong would get one, Paul Oakenfold, Carl Cox. There was like your top ten. Yeah, uh, and then all my people. And I'd make sure that they'd get a copy as well because yeah, I'd yeah. get extra copies. Nice. So we were getting the tunes at the same time. Yeah. We were playing yeah. actively yeah. out a story, late, you know, yeah. at these 88 places. And I just wanted to um, That's an kick the doors down. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there are people. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my duty if because I had access. Yeah. And and if I was going to have access, then I, I would, um, you know, and I had Nookie around me, I had my mate Pedro around me. It, and, and it was just... You know, it was just a great time to be alive, you know. It and was... to use your powers for good. Huh? And to use your powers for good and make sure... Yeah, like you know, records. like, what are you going to do? You can, oh, it's my record, I'm going to hold on to this. I'd mm. give Grydol, you know, Kenny was like, Ray, I'm not leaving here without this tune, you know. <laughs> and that was Silly Games, Arthur Bacon. I went, you know what, take it. Yeah, He's yeah. still got that record today. Wow. And, you know, and like Bookham said, we have such a an unbreakable, lovable brother and sisterhood mm. that nobody could ever take that away from us. Yeah. Yeah. That we would go to a different country and buy each other food and sit down and talk and smoke and reason and play each other's music. Yeah. You know, like, and, and I would specifically make music for Fabio and Ryder or Bookham and give them something different. And yeah. then I would give the bangers to Randall and Mickey and Kenny and Randall and Frost and B. Yeah. They were my people. They, they were the guys that broke me and you never bite the hand that feeds no. and you always go yeah. back and help them. And I think it changed when Producers want to be DJs. Right. I'm a DJ. Yeah. I'm a yeah. producer, second of all. 
that's that my art form yeah. is you can give me two records in the morning yeah and i can mix that but art. this is the funny thing if you look at your history you think you're a producer first you've done so much right it would it would but seem then that you, way then when yeah. you understand your history and where you came from yeah. you now see that balance because actually you know it was uh i wouldn't say it was rare but it was kind of uncommon in that kind of sort of early 90s period that you'd have someone that would produce and be a dj you know they were they were kind of separate roles really uh, now today you know it's integral you have to be doing both in order to you know work through in but that in but, but but the blueprint hadn't been set so yeah. we already were setting the blueprint and actually do you remember a uh, jelly bean you remember that tune a dog and a donut dun, <sighs> dun, 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 dun. What a tune. so he went DJs are going to be the producers of the future because we're going to know what to play on the dance floor. Yeah. Because we're taking the old, we're embracing the new. Yeah. And this is the and this is us. Yeah. And that was what was born out of Acid House. Yeah. Soul, rare groove, and jazz was Jungle D and B. And for the first time, as young, um, oppressed working class generation, whether you was black, white, brown, Chinese. We didn't give a shit. If the tune was good, we were running it. Yeah, so yeah. it was, we were able to contrib contribute yeah. to what was going on. You yeah. know? And people like Trace and Third Party and uh, Production House and all of these influences were coming in. And I was right in the hub. I was yeah. like, and I, 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 I'm, strategically placed myself because I had to go through Buster Brooker who then got me a job at City Sounds and then when they sacked me I'd go to Black Market yeah. and, and then I I was at City Sounds for four or five years and then I went to Black Market for 19 what, years. What year was that that you went into to Black Market? 91. Right. No, no, sorry, 92 because 93, yeah, 92, 93 I went to Black Market because not Christmas of 93, I made Renegade Terrorist and it didn't come out till 94. Right, yeah. But I, I was, I was um, yeah, I was already in Black Market because I'd, I'd already done the Chimes remix. Yeah. came out for Tongi, that was yeah. 92. Yeah. So 93 was my transition going into yeah. Black Market Records. Let's talk about the Chime remix because obviously that was the first kind of production that you did and obviously did phenomenally well. Um, talk us about... You know, obviously at this stage, you're, you, you're a pro, tried and tested DJ, right? You know your business, you know how to go to a club, you know how to turn it inside out. The production, what what started the interest for you in the production side? Um, uh, this is nuts, actually, because that connection, again, goes to Rebel MC. So as I was learning now a different genre of music and I was playing in London, working in London, getting the tunes, um, and I was playing at Astoria, and yeah. I got my break at Astoria um, through Carl Pearson and, 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 and Dave. And actually, it was Alex P that found me in yeah. my mate's house. Nuts, in Colchester. Man's randomly listening <laughs> to what I'm doing. And then him and James were like, you need to come to London. And they got... I missed, and my friend Tracy was a hairdresser. I missed going to Crazy Larry's and the following week they'd moved and I went to Busby's yeah. and I played there. Carl Cox was downstairs, I was upstairs and everybody came upstairs to play because I just played all the tunes that everyone wanted to yeah. hear. What and year I, was this? This was... This, this was 88, 89. 89 right. So, so, but you see, 
because I'd been playing regularly and I was schooled up and I listened to this chimes thing and I was like, you know what? I could put a beat behind this and I think I can do a raw version of it. Now, at the time, I was looking after Kevin Saunderson. Every, uh, everyone was coming in from Transmat, um, all the Detroit techno guys, everyone would be passing City Sounds. Yeah. So I'd... Um, Rebel MC was working at Noisegate Studios in Denmark Street, yeah. which is just round the corner from me. And I met Cole Tough Enough Brown. Right. He was yeah. DJing at, on the same cir circuit okay. uh, as yeah. me. Yeah. And then he said to me, Ray, you need to come in the studio. So I started with Cole. Yeah. Then I got friendly with a guy, uh, a young guy engineer called Michael, who yeah. sadly died. Yeah. Michael was my first engineer. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd done a few things prior to that, but they were just experimental. And then it was, um, then I'd st stroke up a, a relationship with Aston, Acid Aston. Yeah. So, and who was from, uh, he was from Blab's Posse. Yeah, freestylers wouldn't go on to do it. So, so when I did that and I took the beat and I, and then I, and I, I, I took the tune and I made it quite dark and then I gave Ryder his first dub plate and he championed the tune. Yeah. He played it everywhere. He started his set with it. <laughs> so, and that really did put me on the map. <laughs> and they used to call me Bonehead uh, because they didn't know what this music was. Yeah. They were witnessing. It was, it wouldn't be until, uh, it wouldn't be until Pete Tong signs Goldie. Yeah. You know, the the album that l a few years later, he, well, we'll come to that. But, yeah, yeah. But that remix, I did it. I gave it to Ryder and he single-handedly championed that tune. Like everywhere he went, he yeah. played that tune. And from him playing that tune, yeah. Pete Tong rang me up and uh, Dave, who used to work in there, went, oh, Ray, uh, lively. Tong is on a phone, boned. <laughs> and, uh, and and I was only young, so I pick, pick up the phone. And he said, uh, all right, Ray. And I said, yeah. And he was always, Tongy could see things before they'd happened. Yeah. He was an A&R guy. Yeah. And, and he and he just said, look, we're going to give you some money and I'm going to sign that remix that you've done and I'm going to put it out on vinyl. Yeah. And I, and I went, what? <laughs> and he went, yeah. And, and then I put down the phone and I, I, I'd i got my first remix on FFRR <laughs> just out of, yeah. you know, and then I just thought to myself, like, but you see, you don't really notice your achievements mm. until you look back. Right. And that would be the green light for people like Floyd Dice from Production House, who would then come and find me and go, see that tune? We want some of that. Yeah. This is what, and um, don't forget, this is this is jungle techno. This is pre-jungle, yeah, but yeah. with the breaks and the fourth floor. Yeah. And then I went on to pretty much remix everyone's Shades of Rhythm, Moby, I can't even. Sometimes I go on my discogs and I go, "Wow!" It's, <laughs> but it was it was always I want to do more. It wasn't, yeah. uh, you know. And then the golden years came along, and everything I touched um, with that relationship with Nookie, yeah, um, turned to, turned to gold. And and and, but I was always looking for the next sound, you know, like pushing the sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was I suppose that there if i look back now and i think about it i think shh, i think wow that was a moment 
Well, should we, should we have a listen to it? Yeah, come on. on. Let's, get, let's, let's do that. that. I've got it queued up, ready to go. Like It's like I knew it was going to happen. And the actual original record as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't know. I, I don't know whether they liked it or not, but I, I guess they they um, they were embracing the new kids on the block as, yeah. they, as you do. Got you to know. keep the fire burning, keep my So really, production production house must have got, must have got paid for that because I just realised that that's their sample, right? That's Baby D. Yes, Baby D. Yeah. But then again, I yeah, I suppose. That would be come my signature of using soulful tunes. Yeah. Uh, but connecting so people could sing along, but it could have that flip because it yeah. flips halfway through, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> Which is not. <laughs> I haven't listened to this for about 10 years, it's not. Uh, but when I used to play this tune in Astoria, because I used to start it halfway through. Right, okay. And that sound that you heard at the beginning, that's when it would come in with that and it would go nuts. Yeah. So, yeah, just listening to the breaks and that now, just, it seems old, but no, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So what, when you're making this, what, what's going through your head if you're sitting in the studio? Because I'm assuming some of it's like, a little oh, bit alien, it's like... No, because okay. I was really switched on as right, I was in okay. there. I wouldn't go into anything that if I was unprepared. Yeah. But I'd have my samples, yeah. I'd be prepared, because you were paying for studio time. So, no time to waste. No, exactly. It's we I'm getting reminded of like Armageddon, like the news and ten and that yeah. bit comes in, just yeah. that raw filthy bass. I mean, you know, like my heroes, uh, you know, Kevin Saunderson taught us a lot, you know, pushing those boundaries. Yeah. And really we they we were just youngsters, you know. But this would have an influence. And do you know what? I was so gassed a couple of weeks ago, I got asked to part of a documentary which was is going to be my contribution to black British cultural music in this country amazing and I was I was oh, I was so happy and I said to my mate Floyd and he went it's a bad time in it but, and, <laughs> and, but I, I was like I didn't I don't think you realize some sometimes what you've done because because right. you're pushing forward, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I and I and we're still breaking through, and it's a struggle. It still yeah. is a struggle. Yeah. People don't book you. People, uh, you know, it's not easy the music yeah. business. Yeah. Um, but I'm thick-skinned, and even in the acting game, going into that, you can tell me no. How many times you want to tell me no? In my in my setup, in my psyche, in my ethos, there is no such word as no. Yeah. Because I, 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 I'm a survivor. You just haven't heard the yes yet. Exactly, yeah. 
and if and sometimes I expect the no. So yeah. when I do get a yeah, so wow, this is amazing. Yeah. But that's how you have to build yourself yeah. because the music business will chew you up and spit you out and it's turbulent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you've got to be thick skinned and you can't worry about what the next man's doing. Um it, you, you can't worry about what the next man man's doing. You've got to make your own way, yeah. and you've got got to let the universe draw its energy towards you. Yeah, uh, and that and that's what I've believed in. And and as and longer uh, the longer it's gone on, the more spiritual I've got. Yeah, the less angry I've become. Yeah, some of it was in my music. Yeah, um, I guess that was the light and the dark, the soul uh, 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 and and the darkness. But just listening to that now. It kind of it it takes me back to where I started and when actually that was that's what our blueprint was. It was yeah. it was the soulful side of yeah what I've had and I, I I've had an amazing career. Like I wouldn't change it. I'm on my like thirtieth album. Yeah, independently. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, almost more than one a year. <laughs> well, I just I just my work my work is everything and my my work is very prolific and and i embrace technology and i and it's mad because when blade runner when my dad passed away 2012 is when i made um i'm renegade and yeah. i engineered the whole album and i sent it to him and he went he he said some rude words and he went i can't believe it he goes you are just engineering now mm. and you're in your i was in my 40s and he was like wow like for you to embrace that now. And I engineer myself now, yeah. but, I, but so, for so many years, I was waiting on other people and yeah. and it got frustrating because I just want it, I'm like, I want to do it now. Yeah. But I've had some great teachers, you know, Aston, Lemon D, Cole, Toughenough Brown, Dillinger, um, they've all- uh, Nookie as well. Yeah, Nookie, like, like, like nearly 20 years with him. Yeah. You know, and what a partnership, yeah. you know. Always. And that's, you know, that was a really, I was quite shocked by that when I, because I got to that bit and I was like, wow, this is the first project that you owned. And there must have been a real sense of pride being able to know that you've completed the full creative engineering mix down, the full kind of process to it. But if you look prior to that, how much music you put out, you know, you've obviously worked with some amazing people, amazing. had that creative direction to be able to be. Pete Parsons as well. Yeah. Um, Aston. Oh, the list is, and I mean, and and I've learned my craft, you know. Yeah. I've and I've dug in deep, and um, and Blade Runner, and um, and Nookie when I finally decided that that, yeah. that I was going to engineer myself. Yeah. And I suppose that's how I threw myself in. I was like, right, I'm going to make an album. Yeah. I'm going to mix it down. I'm going to make it. Yeah. And um, and there was a really lovely comment on social media i think it was on youtube a guy had got the whole album mixed it together and then put it up there because i wasn't then i wasn't so prolific on social media it was right. i was still cutting dub plates and trying to be one of the last ones playing records <laughs> and i just didn't want to give up I, I, I was just like one of the last soldiers uh to to keep going along with nikki and he put up some some a status, and then he put up. Um, I'd heard along the way that Ray Keefe had lost his way. I I, I don't think so. Mm. And he and he said this is a tribute to Ray. What yeah, an amazing album. Yeah, and there was a lot of pain in that album because I'd kind of finished it and halfway, and and then um, 
and then my dad passed away. I just finished the album, I think, and that's when I, I dedicated it to him. And that was a tough time. You know, it's tough when you lose people that you love. And um, and now I'm the elder. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be the elder. I've got more questions. <laughs> you know, sadly, a couple, last year, my uncle passed away and my cousin passed away. And I I, I went to my, my auntie's house and I was the only one wearing a, a, a Muslim beanie. And I was like... How come you like not wearing no yeah. no hats? And they're like, Uncle, you're the oldest one. I was like, what? I said, nah, mate, this can't be happening. Like, I've got questions. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. suddenly, you're kind of you're kind of left there, and now you're the one that's got to find your way. Mm. Does that make sense? Uh, do you know what? I'm pretty sure the elders before you also had questions, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I I'm I'm lucky. I've got a great set of friends around me, male and female, I love them very dearly. And they have kept me on an amazing path mm. uh, all through uh, when I had my episode. And just, you know, you got to believe in yourself. Do you know what? It was really interesting reading the book uh, because every other chapter is current. So you're talking about a period in your time, then you're talking about when you're writing the book, then the next chapter. And I've never read anything like that, but it actually really made it feel like you were with you while you were reading it because big up dave jenkins my oh yeah he's, um, i've been a good friend of mine for 20 years an cool. absolute legend dave, big so, up. so i mean we 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 toed and froed a little bit uh, as two people would do in a marriage or yeah. any type of intense relationship yeah uh, we cried together we laughed together yeah. there was some real deep moments between him and i which which were amazing and he really does know me and this is what we wanted to do, Jay. We wanted to leave our legacy and something that was current. It was a unique time to be, and, and in 10, 20 years time, when our kids have had kids, they'll be like, Dad, what, Granddad was in a pandemic and you was with him? <laughs> yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and, and when, when we sat down, um, and before we even put pen to paper, because I chased him a few times, um, he'd had a bit of bad luck. And I was like, Dave, we need to do this. And, and this can be all good for both of us. Yeah. And this is going to be amazing. And we sat down and we curated what this book was going to be about. Right. And we went strategically, how are we going to write this? Yeah. And we went, right, it's going to be three things. It's going to be a bibliography of, of Jungle Drum and Bass and um, our work. Yeah. So it would be have timelines. It would, uh, and everybody that's read it has said to me, "Oh my god, I remember that! Mm. Oh my god, I remember that! Oh my god, I remember that!" Uh, and if you had been born in the sixties, uh, that was part and parcel of what we wanted to do. We also wanted to have a diary of COVID, right. so we didn't, so we knew what it felt like, mm. and that was documented as well. Yeah, and also, I wanted to tell the story of all the people that not may not necessarily write their book themselves, but they are documented for the rest of their lives yeah. in, in something that it's a legacy of, that it's not just ours um, because of the testimonials and the people that are in it. They are very, very important and integral, either shaping my career, yeah. helping my career or helping the scene. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's what we set out to do. Yeah. So it was it was that that was the angle. Yeah, yeah. And because I'd worked with so many people, and and I'd a and would so many people, and signed so many people to majors, and then I was, you know, I ran Best of British. Yeah, I ran 
uh, atmosphere. I bought it from Jay. Yeah. Uh, another Jay. Bless Jay. Jay Frenzy. Um, I learned a lot of new skills within yeah. the music business yeah. scene. And uh, and it was great. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I we did the best we could yeah. at, at the time. And um, yeah, I, I've it was the book was very important that that it was and also a personal the full thing that we was it was a personal growth right yeah of yeah. surviving yeah yeah and how you change yeah and how uh, and how things listen let, let's not get it twisted if you look at real life now we have a uh, 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 an epidemic of crack cocaine heroin drugs on the street yeah our young Black, Asian, people of colour, white, young white guys stabbing each other because it's all put down into the streets of this is kind of cool to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. And it isn't. And further down the line, this has now given me... As I've watched my peers, like Goldie, like um, even, you know, the likes of Billy Bunter, um, Frost, uh, all writing books. And, and, and now I'm making a documentary. Yeah. Um, soon come, by the way, called Dread at the Controls. Uh, <laughs> nice. And I'm making films. I yeah. want to make films. I want to yeah, direct. Yeah. I want to produce. I've directed a few videos already. Yeah. But I'm ready, Jay. I'm nice. like, this has just gone, this has given me the green light. And, I, and we self-funded all of this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't beg, borrow or steal. I've got a great team around me yeah. that believe in what I do. Yeah. Uh, big up straight six. Gareth, I love you, bruv. Like, these guys have made us independent businessmen. Yeah. And have helped curate that. Mm. Laura, who works for us now, we, um, I've got Laura who takes care of all the metadata. Um, she runs the label for us. So we we are we're in we're an independent label, yeah. uh, and we want to put something back into the community. And I want to help undo the darkness that's out there in some shape or form. Yeah, and we're going to bring new talent through, and. Um, this the book was that elevation to do that and do you know what i've had so much love so many personal messages where people have really written to me and said look this is that exactly that happened to me yeah or my mum died and yeah. my brother you know committed suicide mm. um and thank you for putting it out there yeah because it is a sensitive subject it is a uh, and men don't always show their feelings, um, but I've done a lot of work on myself. You know, like yeah. I've, I've been to Al-Anon, um, I've, I've been to, I've done cognitive behaviour, I've done yeah. neuro-linguistic programming. I don't take, you know, I'm drug free. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I, I train five days a week. Um, I'm in tune and I meditate and I want to be a better version of myself. You yeah. Know? And I'm, I'm, I, sometimes I'm not. Yeah. You know, like some days I wake up, I'm vexed, I'm angry, um, whatever. But I, I find a way out to, 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 to not succumb to that darkness. I've had some amazing males and females around me, you know, telling me, wait until the dark clouds pass because we all go through it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, know. especially in these times, right? It's They've tough. It's tough, yeah. Right? And, and, and the book was like, if, listen, if little old me from Essex can do it, yeah. then you can do it. How, how did you feel when you first saw that copy of the book i actually cried i couldn't stop crying and actually 
I brought my tissues just in case I have had a moment because I didn't know how I would feel about this. Yeah. Um, but my daughter, Mia, she was at home with um, my co uh, her cousin, Kaylee, and the book arrived and it, I was so shocked. Right. It lay, I, I was like, ding dong. And then I was like, and then my dog, Bumble was barking and she she's a female dog but she barks like a, a male dog yeah. she was going nuts and I was like hang on a minute and then I took this thing out and then I went and it was in the shape of a book well it was in the shape of a square parcel and I thought this is a bit odd like an odd looking yeah. parcel and then as I unwrapped it I thought oh shit this is the book and then I held the book and then I, my, my daughter's name's Boo Boo and she works for a moment I went Boo they were both working for a moment I went Boo Boo I think the book's just arrived. And she went, what? And I went, it's here. And she went, what? And then I gave her the book. And then she, I can't remember if I've read, if I've read it. Or, no, I said, I bet you better read it. And then she read it with um, Kaylee uh, listening and we were all crying. And then I went upstairs and I'd done a post because I was so shocked. Um, because it was, it was, Listen, you never know, it, it, even, even a tune, like you never know. You, listen, I, I, I make a tune and, and that book, me and Dave were the only ones that read it. We read it. Oh, so we put the, the book together for a Zoom and then we were writing chapters. Yeah. Then I'd review all the chapters as they, uh, at some of the bits. And then basically the whole book came back. Then we had to read the book again and then recorrect everything chapter by chapter. So... It's nuts, like you're reading what's going on. And um, also what we wanted, there was two things actually. Carl Tough Enough Brand's a really good friend of mine and he was like, Ray, don't put no blasphemy in the book, you know? And I was like, do you know what? That that's That's a really good thing because even though we're from the streets and we're doing what we're doing, I wanted to have something that would stand the test of time but be me if you were listening to it, because if you know what I sound like when you read the book, oh, you're like you're like raising your head. This right. geezer's in my head right now. I kept saying "man's" all the time in my head. I'm like, <laughs> I never say that, and I keep thinking that. Yeah, but 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 there's some there's some of it that 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 is like uh, that's that's hundred percent right. That's yeah. definitely not Dave. <laughs> and and I, we wanted to make that distinction, but I thought it was very important for my kids. And also, I'm not the person I was. You know, mm. I, I've grown up. I've, yeah. I've, I've, you know, you can't fight the system. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You, you have to work with the system. Yeah. And if you don't work with the system, then, then they're going to blow you out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, and you've got, um, there's, there's a way of doing things, but doing things with God's good grace. And that's yeah. what, that's how I've learned. Yeah. You know, you can't go this way, you go that way. This door's not opening, open that door. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and that and that and I've tried to bring my people mm. with me. I've still got the same friends. Some of them we've parted because we're just not the same and and, and you grow out and they yeah. grow out of you. Yeah. Um but I you know that it's it, it was important to do something that people could and it's not just my story. This is the story from next door. This is this is people that happens in everyday life. They mm. they have things happen to them, and I think I think there's a there's a there's a thing is when you look at someone that's in the public eye or a musician or an actor, you forget what what did it cost them to get there. And yeah. if you read the book 
and as if you read most um, biographies, uh, it, it, it's a turbulent life that, mm-hmm. that keeps you going. You have great tragedy and everything happens so bloody quick every two years there was yeah. change something yeah. was happening yeah you know and there's there's and there's sometimes i look at it and i think how did how did i get through that you know mm. like wow yeah that's it's well through uh, adversity and and i think you know it's clear throughout the book you know there was some bad stuff that has happened but you've you've carved a way around it and gone right you know i'll take part of that i'll I'll bring it on board but i'm going to keep still pushing forwards and you can't you know 30 plus years later you're still doing it and i think that's the one of the only ways you can do that right you know you each experience you've got to love what you do yeah i've loved it when i've had no money Mm -hmm. i've loved it when i've had money yeah i've never fallen out with it and it's always been there for me Mm. and if i go in a dark place um i go in the studio and i might make a dark tune and and you know i was talking to one of my good friends i'm I'm working with a creative team i want to big up luke and i want to big up danielle uh they're on my creative team for for film tv documentaries and um you know the gateway to 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 hardcore drugs, I guess is, is is smoking weed. Yeah, and the gateway out is is smoking weed. It's whether you can have balance. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Some of my friends do it really well. Yeah, um, but it's just not for me. You know, mm-hmm. um, and what I'm saying to you is, there's a lot of darkness that's bestowed upon people. It's you know, working class people, middle class people, because they, because addiction is real, you know, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's pills, whether it's whatever, but it's whether you can find that light at the end of the tunnel. And that's, that's what I'm about. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't change everyone and somebody wants to have to change. It, yeah, of course. You know, you've yeah. got to, you've got to want to do that. Yeah. And, and, and I think as long as there's enough of us out there that have had, a turbulent lifestyle and got through adversity and can go can keep going and be positive yeah i think that's that 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 will hopefully open the doors for other people yeah because they look at it and go well if he can do it i can do it yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely it's the the inspirational side of it right? yeah I want to kind of go back a little bit to um, to like that early '90s, that kind of sort of pre-jungle era, because that sort of acid house to kind of bleep break be into hardcore into jungle, which just it all happened at such breakneck speed. You know, '91 to '93, it just went. Boom. Tempo went from 125 up to 160, 170. If you're on IB for records, and Noise Factory was pushing up that tempo. What what's What's your thought process about how that kind of music is evolving and, and what are you seeing when you're playing in clubs as to how that is shaping and influencing what you're doing as a producer? And I, I think like? a lot of people um, get it. They, they, there's, there's, they, let's be specific here, mm-hmm. very, very specific. If there was no if there was no land of Oz, mm-hmm. and if there was no spectrum, and if there was no rage, yeah, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Sure, hundred percent. Simple. Yeah. Colin Hudd, Favor, Evelyn Richards, Mr. C, Kid Bachelor, um, Oakenfold, Oakenfold, Cole Cox, 
Paul Trouble Anderson, um, Fabio and Groove Rider. Obviously, Fabio and Groove Rider would would were, were the new kids on the block coming in, yeah. but they were there at the same time. Yeah, but they were they were the new kids that, yeah. that were breaking through. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be doing what we. Those were, were the guys that were introducing the breakbeats into that sound. So yeah. one of the tunes that changed my life when I heard it and I went nuts and I still go nuts is is the Moody Boys, Funky Zulu. Oh my God. And even the breaks and the way it comes in. And then there was another tune called Ulysses by Evil Eddie Richards. And I used to play that, Ryder used to play that. And it's just a kick and a snare. Yeah. But it had that little reggae bit in it. And then it just used to have to, this high pitched, uh, uh, bass line that, that, that was played, which was a sine wave going up and down yeah. the keyboard, yeah. but it was a reggae influence. Let me tell you something, when I played that tune and Ryder played that tune in the dance, the ghetto people would know <laughs> that, that you were signaling them. Yeah, yeah. And that was what it was, Jay. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I'm giving you signal right now. Yeah, Are yeah. you listening to this? Because I'm giving you signal. Because <laughs> I know what you know. And that's when I played at uh, Telepathy. And look at the smile on my face yeah. because I've got goosebumps right now because that is everything to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when I play um, uh, Rebel Without a Cause or when I play... Um, um, you know, Eric B and Rakim, I got so when I play Lisa Stansfield, Love is a Big Thing, when she was in a band before she was even Lisa Stansfield. Yeah. And and Melissa Morgan's Full Paradise or Maceo and the Max or any of those tunes, that's what it does to me. Yeah. Uh Rob Basin, DJ Easy Rock. Yeah. Um that's how I'm living. You know, these were the early things that were coming in. It's like, hang on a minute, can we let the break beat go? And really, a guy called Gerald, 27 gun bad boy, next level. Yeah. I mean that was King of the Jungle. Two years ahead, way ahead of his time. And and Fabio and Groove Rider played that. They used to play tunes on, on a 45. Sorry, I'm getting hot now. Yeah. They used to play tunes on a 45, uh, stuff that we used to have on plus eight. And these these were integral moments of yeah. when you look back, and all of these people would be like, you know, there's so many DJs. Oh, you know, I I think I quote Paul Trouble Anderson when I played at Lime Nights, and he he played some tune, um, Slam Slam, Move Your Body to the Floor. Dun, 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 dun. And I'd played for two hours and I had that place up. He played one tune and the whole place. That's happened to me twice in my career, actually, because <laughs> Mickey Finn did it to me as well. I love Mickey. But he, he knows the story that I'm going to tell in a minute. But I played that tune and, 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 and then he looked back at me, right? And he went, Ray Keith, you're a bad boy, yeah? But me a bad man still. And he just <laughs> went back on the controls. And I, but he was the type of guy that I would ask him what the tune was. Like right. Colin yeah. Hudd would tell me. He would tell Mickey Finn. And Mickey done it to me years later, 93, 94. Uh, I was playing at Amnesia House and uh, I, I, I came off and there was a little kind of clap and roar and Mickey went on and it was like it, it was like Brazil scored a goal I was like I need to climb under a rock like <laughs> make some noise for a man like Mickey Finn and I was and I was still pulling him up to that on that day because it I, but he was like uh, he was one of the original king um uh, Kings of the North you yeah, know yeah. him fantasy top buzz fab groove um you know, uh, Doc Scott, Bassman, um, Lenny, um, these guys 
you know, they were playing at very big parties. Yeah. And we were all in the same lineup. Carl's yeah. on the same lineup. Yeah, so yeah. It's not until kind of 93, 94 came that there was that clear split that it was just like, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. We've graduated. We're going to yeah. roll with this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? It's funny, just before lockdown, me and Ryder were outside, I can't remember, and I just finished playing, he'd finished playing, and he looked at me and he went, it wasn't supposed to last this long, you know, but, but we're, just, <laughs> we're, just, we're just rolling out that wave. And, and we've been friends, you know, I've been friends with these dudes for like, you know, I still put on parties and, and they come and play and we're all in the pot together. And, and, I, and I love that, that mm. they would come and do that for me because, you know, we can't, we, you know, we're, We've now learned how to make our business viable. Yeah. We, it was all run out the back of a car and yeah. off of a mobile phone. Yeah. And it's like, can I leave my day job now? Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, and I would always work through the day. You know, I was a grafter. I worked yeah, yeah. at Flat Market. I worked at City Sounds because I had a family to provide for. And I've, 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 I guess I've, I've just dedicated that. You know, I'm, I don't know anything else, Jay. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Good I'm just a grafter. Stick with it, right? Yeah, and, and it was funny. I was talking to Floyd the other day because he put me on. Because that's the first time I, I I'd heard yeah. that you about. Uh, I was aware of what yeah. you were doing, yeah. but when you loved that tune, and yeah. I think you put it in your top ten. Yeah, and then loads of people were like, "Mate, I need to listen to this tune." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Chris rang me and was like, "Mate, this tune's a banger, Ray." I was like, "Does anyone like it?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, wicked." Um, I'm gonna see if I can dig it out while yeah, you're talking about it. Because it's not out yet, is it? No, it's not. It's um uh uh the your remix of Ace and Thriller. So this this is this is amazing. I'm a big fan of this, you yeah. see. Like those guys, when I heard Trip to the Moon, I don't know if I'm allowed to say no, because yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 doing some more production for those guys, but he's one like he's one of the early guys that I listened to. You know, just like LFO, you know, like when I first heard that, yeah. and when I first heard Nightmares on Wax, I mean, what a tune, Dexterous. What? Like that certain tunes just they just they just mash me up. Like SMF guillotine. I mean, I was fortunate enough to remix that, but I mean, I'm a fan. People don't forget, I'm still a fan of music. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's really important to me. Um, but yeah, play it. I'm, yeah, I'm going to. So this is, uh, so this is Aeson. So Aeson, we all know Aeson, Trip to the Moon, Part 1, 2, 3, Close Your Eyes, did some amazing stuff on Production House back in the day. Uh, and then, you know, took a bit of a hiatus, went into his film stuff, and then came back, I think it was about three, maybe four years ago, uh, he did a couple of releases, and Thriller was one of them, which is an amazing tune. Uh, Ray has done this mix. Uh, you played a clip of it, and you put it on your Instagram, and I went, I need that tune <laughs> now. And I, I got straight on to Chris, went, Chris, he said, look, I haven't got the finished version of it yet. I said, Chris, you know what to do. As soon as you get that tune, <laughs> yeah, you need to give it, it over. Because I think also as well, what really um, surprised me, uh, what's the word, word, word? Obviously, you'd progressed and you'd led this whole kind of like 130 breakbeat hardcore into jungle, into drum and bass, more on that kind of dread jungle type sound. And this had dropped the tempo a lot for what you've done. I think it's at 148, 140, 149. So I, I was. Yeah, but, but SS said it the other, like when he was doing the, um, uh, when he was doing the testimonial. Listen, we've got that sprinkle of magic sauce or magic gold dust yeah and 
don't let me have to go old school because if I go back, I'm just gonna I'm gonna completely terrorize it. <laughs> and that's what I did yeah. because it's it's yeah. where I'm from. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. what I'm saying is I've evolved. Yeah. But I can always go back. Yeah. And now and again, it's nice. I see what everyone's doing, and I thought, you know what? Let me just go back, yeah. do this thing, yeah. and, then, and then and then go about my business. Well, thank you very much. All right, here we go. That was. the most strings on that tune, and I was like, wicked. <laughs> um, but that's why I did the jung uh, the 21st uh, century jungle is right, yeah, yeah. Is, is so I can still have my roots, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you, you literally were the kind of king of remixes in your era, like just, it's I was, I was, I was the golden boy at that point. Um, it's that bit. That's my techno and hardcore yeah. 88, 89. For me, that's where we're from. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Yeah, I just knew when I heard them sounds, I went, yeah, I'm going to test this out because it gives me a chance. And I know I've been to them hardcore raves, which is Billy Bunner before yeah, I yeah, played. Yeah. And they were playing all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. So it's all the original hardcore geezers from back in the day that used to play on Slammy Vinyl, this is for them. Yeah, yeah. There's a big resurgence of like authentic hardcore sounding music from 91 to 93-ish. And also jungle drum and bass from around the sort of 94 to 96. I'm going to send you a few bits and pieces. It's amazing to hear that people have taken that influence and Orion stuff at 160. See, even this. This is again that light yeah, and dark that, bridge, but, right? That's the, that's the euphoric kind of, because everyone was back out there nut, weren't they? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this reminds me of Paradise or... And when I've done this, I was like, they're going to go nuts for this. Because when they hit, that's that. And especially like um, Aysen, he, he's um, a producer that I look at and I, and I go, wow, what, how far ahead he was, like Production House. Yeah, that they were doing stuff, and I've never met him, and it's yeah. really weird that I'm remixing him to stuff and we've never yeah. had a conversation, yeah. Yeah. only through Chris. <laughs> yeah, but it will be amazing when we all start to play together. I think they've got some nights planned. Yes, and stuff. yeah, indeed. So, yeah, but it's nice to be with nice people. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. 
Chris is a really lovely guy. The energy's good. Yeah. Nookie's with him. Yeah. Uh, he's doing some stuff. Nookie just sent me a remix of uh, Sweet Sensation. I don't know if I even mention that right now, but it's if, someone, now, if, if someone plays it, sends it to me, I, I'm, I'm going to play it. So, um, but I'm, I'm blessed, you know, and, and I guess, I guess what I've, what, I'm, what I would like to do is, 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 even if I could just be slightly like him, it's like a John Peel of being able to be a gateway yeah. to playing it in, you know, all the, all the diversity, the diverse sounds of jungle drum and bass. Yeah. Whether that's liquid, whether that's tech, whether that's neuro. If it's good tunes, we're running. Good music, you know it's good I mean? music, yes. right? Yeah. But yeah, I forgot about this because I haven't played it for a while. Thank you for the lot. Yeah, nice. Love it, mate. This is, so I mean, it's, it's a perfect tune. And to hear you go back to your roots and do it, you did smash it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, you can't never forget where you come from. And I think, Every now and again, you've got to go back yeah. and, you, and you touch something and then you just go back. Yeah. What are going to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to... I just done something a couple of days ago and I said to Chris, I've said, if I send it to you, you're going to want it. Because it's like serious jungle tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I nice. played it the other day in the car and I was like, it's a bit of a naughty sample. Yeah. Um, but the tune just sounds bad. And it just sounds like that old school paradise AWOL vibe. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that, you know, that was what was really, uh, I actually kind of musically missed out on 96. My family moved to New Zealand. So I was out raving 91, 92, then went to New Zealand for the whole 93, then came back at the beginning of 94, or just before New Year's. So I missed that, you know, my, my lifeline was literally my mates just sending me tapes, you know, uh, and then coming back, the music had changed so much and I think, you know, you know, there was kind of sort of that great big hardcore, then you saw tangos and rays and fallouts with that kind of dark side, kind of heavy jungle techno sound. There was definitely early influences of, you know, jungle in there and even bits of kind of drum and bass in there. Try, try and think back to like the kind of that beginning of 93, like what's your kind of, what are you thinking as a producer as that year is kind of evolving? Should we turn that one? Yeah, I'll, I'll. Um, It wasn't really like that, Jay. It, it wasn't thinking about anything. Yeah. Um, it was just a natural progression. Everything that you heard and everything that was going on was very organic. Yeah. And, um, there was no thought process about, oh, we're going to change the sound now. We were just being influenced by what was going on. Right. So if you think 93, when I did Renegade Terrorist, Renegade Terrorist was done September, October. I made one side for Ryder uh, 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 and one side for Fabio, but I gave it to, to Frost, Brian, Fab, Groove, Kenny, I think Randall had it. Mickey? Mickey, yeah, Darren. So about 10 people had it all at the same time and everybody played it and started with it or ended with it on, yeah. on Christmas Day or on, on New Year's Eve. So it was <laughs> and it was gonna be and also that by that time I'd already want to I already wanted to make music that would stand the test of time. Right. Because yeah, I, yeah. I didn't want to make music that was just throwaway. And and that's that's a shame now because 
that there's so much throwaway music that, yeah. that, that you shift from it. But there's still a lot of good music. I mean, yeah. that's why I do the Dreadcast, and I'm very grateful to Tim Stelter and Claire and Dorian for giving me a platform because I feel like it's it's a new age and a new birth of um, streaming. Yeah. And to be at the fourth, still at the forefront of that, and to be able to have the blueprint show to celebrate old and new artists coming yeah. in, influence from those days, um, and then to carry on with my dreadcast and um, get so many exclusives. Like people phone me and say, "Ray, can you play this?" Just had something from BC. He sent it over, and it's just nice for people to send it, and 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 we we get a great reaction from my, my loyal. Yeah, followers. They just whatever we do, they they're there for us. So thank you for the people that support us online because it's really important, especially through lockdown. As much it was, as much as it was hard for people out there, it was hard for everyone, and that was my way of connecting. Yeah, and I was actually yeah. driving up to London, doing the show by myself, nobody about. Yeah, <laughs> I'm back home. Yeah, and there was no one on the streets, but yeah. I was connecting. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And some of the shows were crazy. Like there was like four. 500 people at one time because yeah. nobody was doing anything yeah. else yeah. and I was talking staying positive and doing what we were doing and um, uh, and big up Origin for that you know like that you know I, if it wasn't for pirate radio station and pirates and, and, and online streams still carrying this music because sometimes the, the, the major stations don't always reflect what's going on on the underground right. as, yeah, yeah. until it gets popular. Yeah, yeah. And then and then it, and then you've got another. So you know, it, it all helps. Um, big up everybody that does weekly shows or monthly shows and that and that takes the time out to because yeah. that's a very important thing for me. You know. Yeah, for sure. I think, like you say, it's 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 great to be able to kind of play music. You know, I've had some really lovely messages from people, and I've always replied actually, like it's being able to play. Uh, still play and be able to connect to people yeah. that's actually saved me. You know, I you know I went for a big wobble like a year after uh, lockdown and actually it was the radio that was really kind of like that moment where actually I thought, you know what's going to be all right? You know, you can still connect with people, have a bit of banter, play a few tunes. Mm -hmm. Great. You know what? That's, to that's topped my cup up nicely, actually. Um, do you know what? Let's, uh, we're still going to keep chatting for a bit, but I think if anyone wants to get any questions in uh, about the book, to Ray, any Anything dread related, um, get some questions in. We'll fire them up and we'll see if we can get through some uh, some user questions. But while we're waiting for those to come in, let's talk about dread recordings. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Tw label. 28, 28 years now. That's crazy. Uh, we haven't always been consistent, but we've been there. Um, obviously, through trials and tribulations in your life, um, the releases uh, got. Um, Sporadic, I would yeah, say. Yeah. And, uh, but we've been there from day one. It's not like we've ever stopped. Yeah. And, and I'm proud of that. 28 years in the game, the label. Um, I've seen a lot of big fish come and go. We've stayed integral. We've brought some amazing artists. I'm now got, I'm running two labels side by side. So we've got Dread and then we've got Dubplate Dread. So that's allowed me to put music out every six weeks on a digital format, including yeah. remixes. TI's remix of Renegade was sick. Um, you know, uh, Critical Impact's remix of Dark Soldier is now coming. That's on a limited edition vinyl as well. Nice. We had both the remixes of Chopper come out as well. Um, 
which which is you know we do limited edition 500 uh, releases uh, just for the kudos of the release so people can buy something who, yeah. who are vinyl collectors so they'll be worth more further yeah. down the line yeah um and and that was that's that's really important and um and you know and and then there was the other labels ufo and penny black which were again very, very integral, but I did loads of white labels. That dub rock was me. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, the a trying to keep up with your aliases is is like you know that's like it's a, a that's bit a, mad. But I do so much degree, music. I didn't want to just water everything down. And if you're creative, sometimes you have to find them outlets. I mean, an another beautiful story was you know I'm Chronic Seven and Chronic Eight, and um, and then Dizzy Rascal DM me when I was on Radar, and he was like. <laughs> But, and, and that was when I was just getting used to social media like five years ago and I, and I said to my daughter I think I said I said Dizzy Rascal just messaged me and said and sent me the clips of the tunes and went mate I did not know that you'd done these tunes this is my childhood <laughs> hit, like 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 this is my childhood right here and then I was so cheeky I was like yeah well if you ever want to come to Radar and do a little set and and anyway, we, it, like I just left it at that. And then, because I'd met Dizzy a, yeah. a good few years before, because we put him on the front cover of ATM magazine. Right. So I'm, my kids had met him when they were like really young, like wow. eight, eight and ten or something. Okay. Yeah. So it's not until another five years later on yeah. that he go. He he then goes, "What you done these tunes?" I was like, "Yeah." And then um, and and they were big tunes, big tunes. You know, yeah. like, like yeah. they were underground tunes. And. Um, and then, and then, and then I'm I'm driving to the radio, uh, picking up Gavin, uh, my friend, and one of the guys that recruited me to go to to Radar, and um, Gavin Douglas, uh, and he changed my life because he gave me a new platform and mm. then Dizzy came on we shut the internet down even Mr Jam was watching from Radio <laughs> 1 uh, he was like on his phone like I can't believe this 150,000 people watched that show that shut the crazy. internet down everything burnt out like it was crazy <laughs> Dizzy Rascals now with Ray Keith they are now DJing together yeah <laughs> and we were just DJing two on two listening to music and he's and, but it was nice you yeah, know yeah. because it that gap I suppose if you look at that gap it's like 10 years between all of us like like you, you know you've got the likes of mala yeah. dizzy uh wiley uh skepta do you know what i mean and and then and then now you've got the daves and the stormsies yeah. so so it's just carrying on yeah you know sure I mean? yeah but they they would have been born from jungle and garage do you yeah know what i mean uh my nephew joy orbison yeah um so it was a big lovely melting pot of what was going on and and it's nice to be part of it. You know, you yeah. don't, you, we didn't have the internet then. You know, I didn't know, like, you couldn't see me. Yeah. There he is up there. And then, oh, and then Monday, you'd be waiting for the tape pack to yeah. come out yeah. or the week after. Yeah. Or you'd hear me on a mix on Kiss or maybe Radio 1. And then there was MySpace. Yeah. MySpace, quite, yeah. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was, and there was no way of seeing anybody. No. And, and you couldn't even take a photo back on your phone no. then. No. You couldn't. I mean, you didn't have, have phones. You know, if no you one to... was on that. I mean, the other day I was de DJing in Bristol and everyone's on their phone. Do you know what I mean? But it's something normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe it's getting less at uh, 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 some of the parties that we play out because it's more about the music. But yeah. you, everyone's got their phone out yeah. or they're taking yeah. a selfie yeah. or whatever. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that because it helps to promote and keeps 
captures moments, right? Yeah, yeah, and also it's a different way of communicating now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I walk around now with a two terabyte hard drive. <laughs> I plug my hard drive in. <laughs> I've got better music on there and I don't need to worry about anything. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, all of us have broken our backs. Um, uh, uh, um, selling and 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 carrying music, you know yeah. the amount of boxes, like and all of that. Today's osteopaths and chiropractors are doing all right they, thanks to that yeah, generation. Are. I've had to had have my back straightened out, but also you know, like it, it it was a different type of social media place. I miss black market. I miss yeah. hype and rocky and you know like. Man, just passing through the places, old cloud of smoke. Me, myself, yeah. and Nikki have worked together for nineteen years. I know him inside out, you know. <clears throat> and we all have ups and downs, you know. We, we get married, we get divorced, we have kids, um, we lose people, and it and and it's just that cycle of of life. But you're all supporting each other, yeah. You know, and even drug addiction, and 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 there's certain. Things that you see and 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 you and you and you call your mates and you say, "Listen, are you all right?" Mm. Because this, this, like I said, this music business is very hard. They didn't teach us anything. We were just thrown in there. Yeah, yeah. But it's like actually, you know, you you hear it very often, especially when people talk about, you know, like a an Atari ST and a keyboard and a crack copy of Cubase, and you just no manuals, no YouTube, no nothing. You know, it's all very self-made. You're sampling stuff. You know that that comes as all part of that as that evolves, right? Then becomes the business side of it from running a label, managing your taxes, doing gigs, you know, all those kind of elements as part of it. You know, you have to absorb all of that to be able well, to kind of keep it going. If you look at the original, original labels, if you look at Reinforced, yeah. you know, Digo uh, uh, and Ian and um, every, you know, Four Hero and what they've done. And then you look at Ibiza and you look at Kemet and you look at Suburban Bass and you look at Moving Shadow. Um, they, they were the earliest labels that really put their stall out and, and started to uh, formation records and started to make it look like it was a business. Yeah. And and you could run it like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and those were the first imprints of what gave us, you know, my label would come out with Phil 93, 94. And and, and also I've got to shout out Phil Hills, you know, like, wow, what a uh, sorry, not Phil Hills, Phil from Basement. Phil Hills was the first guy that ever gave me my residency at an all black club in Ipswich called oh, Cinderella's. Right. Yeah. And I had that when I was eighteen years old and wow. I did that for three years or four years, and I was playing soul, rare groove and jazz every Friday, Saturday, and I did the kids, uh, the youngsters on a Tuesday, and he handed that to me. So I've been very fortunate that I've had amazing residencies. Yeah. And even when I came to London, you know, um, and, and you know, all, all the powerful women in the scene, all the agents, Sarah from Groove Connection, Caroline from Unique, Tanya from UMC, they were the early chicks that were put, that were using this as a business yeah. and harnessing everything yeah uh and all the early female djs you know dj world child rap smoking joe daniel and rochelle um it was quite healthy you know because we were all helping each other yeah yeah 
And, um, you know, Lisa, there was Lisa Loud yeah. uh, back in the day, if you remember her, and she, she was working for a record company, uh, Nancy Noyes. Yeah. You know, these are all names that people wouldn't realise, but these were household names growing up. Yeah. You know, Johnny Walker, um, Nigel, uh, who was over at, um, what was the label that Derek B was on? Come on. UK label. Do you remember it? I can see it. <laughs> Red writing. Oh, I can't remember now. And Bob jo Bob yeah. Masters, uh, Simon Dunmore who was at Cool Tempo, Eddie Gordon who was at Eternal. They gave him, Warner Brothers, they gave him Eternal. He asked me to come and work for him. Yeah. I turned him down. I was at City Sounds there and there was um, Andy Thompson who was Pete Tong's second right-hand man. Wow. He, uh, as he left, yeah. I went into City Sounds. That's yeah. how I got placed by my mate Buster Brooker. Ah, so, okay. yeah, picking up Buster Brooker. You know, these are all things that happened to me and are in the book that I thank them. Do you know mm. what I mean? Dave Malone as well. Do you uh, do you remember that first time you walked into Black Market as an employee? Well, that was a bit, that was bittersweet, that was, because I went to the Christmas party for City Sounds and 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 the governor, who also used to run Greyhound, he didn't talk to me. And in the morning, Dave, my boss, said, "Yeah, in the morning, go up to um, Greyhound. You're go you're going to go on a course in the morning. They're going to talk to you about it." This is a week before Christmas, bro. This is a Christmas party. Yeah. So I go up there, and. Big John, he, 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 massive like personality, he looks at me and he goes, I think you know why you're here, son. We've got to let you go. You've got too big for the shop and too big for Dave. But I wish you well and you know you're going to do well. We're going to cut you loose. Jesus. And I was like, what? I, I, I gave you my my everything. I just got a mortgage. I, I've got a kid. Yeah. I, it's Christmas. I found my dad. I'm like, Dad, they just sacked me. He went, what? He said, and I was just, I was saying a whole heap of things I shouldn't have been saying. Yeah. And he went, the way you got to hurt them is in their pocket because that's the only way they're ever going to learn. Yeah. The second person I called was Grave Rider. And Ryder was like, you're joking me. And I was like, they just got rid of me. I was broken. I've been broken a few times in my life. I think when my mum left, my mum left my house. Uh, I was that broke me, and then and that broke me as well. And then later on in life, when my mum died, my dad died, and when I had some issues with my ex-wife, um, and when we split up, that those are those are moments that you can not go either way. Yeah, you dust yeah. yourself off, mm -hmm. or you or you or you turn to addiction. Yeah. And you try and drain out the pain. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to absorb the pain. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've been tattooed six hours straight. Like the geezer's like, what is in you? Like, you, are you mad? Like, and I'm talking a whole sleeve outline and started to colour it in. Wow. And, and, and I was like, yeah, 
and I've had treatment where I've been strapped to a machine where they're putting electrodes in me and they've turned it right up and they're like, you can take that, yeah? Because I've got to leave you for 20 minutes and I'm like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Because I've done martial arts, it's a mental thing. That's why I box as well. Yeah, yeah. But um, that that time, so the third person, so that first was my dad, second was Ryder, third person I called. I called Black Market. (laughs) I'm still in the phone box. Like, because I've my, my battery, my big phone's like gone. The battery's gone yeah. a bit because they didn't used to last that long. No. It's a couple hours, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I'm talking about the and brick. the batteries were like yeah, yeah, and it was the brick. And then I'm like, shit, what am I gonna do now? So I, I had my little phone book, and then I I think I phoned. I think I might have even phoned directories to put me straight through to black market. Or, or did no? I, no, I put my money in the phone, in the phone box. I was in the red phone box, and I'm there. And I phone up, and I go straight to the office. And Dave uh, Pachoni answers the phone, and he says, "Hi, Black Market." And I said, "Hi, m- my name's Ray Keith." And he went, "Oh, Ray, I, I just heard they let you go." He went, "Come and see me Monday morning. I'll give you a job." <laughs> I was like, "What?" And I haven't phoned my ex girlfriend up at this point. Yeah. So I've lost my job yeah and then i've got another job all within two hours <laughs> but that's got that's god's way of going yeah, yeah. one door closes another one opens yeah i went there monday morning <laughs> now don't forget for the last four years me and nikki have had a mad rivalry because right. tunes will come in off of the van yeah i'll say to the geezer how many you got in the van he goes i've got 300 i'll be like give me all of them he'd be like what i said pay your cash now or come back in seven days and i'll have your dough he'd be like what you want all the 300 i went bro give me the 300 let me tell you something it was like selling hot cakes in that shop at lunchtime i would hold up the record i yeah. played a tune yeah i mean i've got to give it to dave he taught me everything yeah there was he apologized for his behavior which is really cool yeah uh, there's another guy um, who I know, an Asian guy, has completely gone out, gone out of my head now. Um, it will come back to me. One of, um, uh, he looks after um, Colin Nudd, um, but it will come back to me. But he uh, bridged the gap. And actually, Dave sent me a really nice message and went, you know what, we didn't treat you very well. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? He was under the cosh. Yeah. It was all about results. It was all about putting a pound note in the till. But when I left there, so I'd gone to Black Market, and I I thought I'd be pl- like, because I, w- I would wipe Nicky out. He would be like, what? He bought all of them? <laughs> and he would be like, yeah. Or Nicky would manage to get something. Oh, no, 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 no. You give me four boxes and you give them one box. <laughs> because they would go around the rounds. But the thing about it is, because I was paying cash, yeah, yeah. they was always going to come to me. Right, yeah. So, and then there was this rivalry. So now we're all in the same place, <laughs> right? Now everybody's coming to both of us. Now we wipe the floor with everyone. I mean, really and truly, there should be a documentary just on Black Market, yeah. I think. Yeah. But you know, the, the the sad thing about Black Market, and I've never really made a public comment about it, but they were all too bloody greedy. Mm. And that is actually uh, um, an example yeah. of how something can be so great yeah. and then absolutely worth nothing. Yeah. Because it's worth nothing today. Yeah. Because they fought it out, because they didn't come around the table, because this one was pulling and this one was pushing. 
or I own this and I own that. And I tried to buy into that many times, but they yeah. wouldn't let me buy into it. Yeah. And I helped a lot of people. And whilst the brand was suffering, I tried to plug the holes and it just didn't work. And, um, and it's a shame because that actually could have kept going. Right, yeah. Because if I'm going for 28 years, yeah. why couldn't a black market kept going? And yeah. black market was there 10 years before me. So I was very upset with all of them. Mm. Um, and when I went there for the, I, I left there, but when I walked in there, I think the first person I saw was uh, Nikki, Sophie, Zach, and I'd met Dave, um, and then we just all became a family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's Sharon, who's in the, my testimonial. Um, there's Miss Pink, who came afterwards. What, what an amazing time we had. I mean, we just... <laughs> it was... It was... We got so popular that... that, that Downstairs was hip hop, and Sophie was running it with another guy, and I forgot his name now. Um, black guy with locks, and um, and then they was like, "Do you think you could you could run it downstairs?" I mean, like, listen, we clean up, and then obviously dubstep came in with youngster, but those days were magical. They were the best days, some of the best days of my life. But I'd had some amazing days with with my friends who I'd worked with, um, Paul Woods, uh, young guy. Um, me and him were like brothers, you know, and um, he was just young. He was so young. And and we were working there, and it was an adventure. I'd already been going up working at um, Ferrucci's in Kings Road. You know, yeah. I was travelling from Claxton-on-Sea. I was travelling from Colchester. I'd get up early. And it's funny, I was speaking to Floyd yesterday, and it's like, we're always on our grind. Mm -hmm. You know, like, even if you're having dinner, I'm still on my grind watching, yeah. like, it, can I make some money right now? <laughs> like what, you know, you don't stop because yeah. when you're self-employed, there's no, but it's not work because you mm. love it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As long as your bills are getting paid and, and I'm learning more now to be a businessman, not to take things personally, to make sure that I can, can run something that, that, like Jamal said, R.I.P. And he had it so right. What a young soul he was, you know, to 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 let something be there for the whole of eternity. And I hope that that when we're gone, that we were talking about this. What is jungle going to mean in twenty years? I, I mean, mean it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard crazy thinking to about think, it, isn't it? Yeah, it is because look, we've done we've done nearly forty years now. Yeah, I'm I'm. I'm I'm over half a century. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I won't say how exact, but I'm over half a century. Yeah. So if I'm over half a century and maybe, God willing, I've got another 10, 15, 20 years, <coughs> what is that going to mean? I mean, I've Look thought, at the resurgence yeah, now. Yeah. I've thought about this and I thought, you know, I look at my, <laughs> you know, my dad used to love the Pogues and Dire Straits and, you know, I'd see him every now and again. He'd listen to him and I'd see him like, he'd really listen to it. And that was his, that was the, the music of when he was a young adult and then, uh, or middle age. And then there's other stuff that we listen to, like the Beatles that were really old. And you think, well, once you love something, like, you don't stop loving it. <laughs> you, don't, you don't fall it, out of it. It seems mental to listen to Jungle Drum and Bass at 74 <laughs> years old. But then it might have seemed crazy to listen to Elvis Presley when you were that age back in the 50s and 60s. I think it is. I, I think the legacy that we leave behind, even, you know, like I used to sort out Brocky, Nicky, 
like like I said, Doc's got, but our legacy will be, and all of our legacy is, we're of that age group that everyone grew up with us. So if you're in your 40s, 50s and 60s, yeah. you know who we are. Yeah. And and we're household names because if you go raving mm. and if you go ministry or if you go AWOL, just like all the MCs, GQ <clears throat> and, you know, all the original lot, Moose, uh, Navigator, you know, all the guys, Debt, all the guys that established Shabba, Skibber, um, all the guys that established themselves, RIP Stevie Harper D. Yeah. This was the cornerstones, the setting stones that would go on to have all your little fragments. You know, you've got Rupture now. It's now mainstream, but it was underground. Yeah. But these are the things that have allowed things to go on and keep expanding. You know, Sarah with Swerve, Bookham, Fabio, there were certain niches that were going on. And, 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 and now it's almost like everything's reconnecting because through the internet, people upload old mixes. I mean, I go out online. I haven't got every single record I made because I just not really... Yeah. I'm not really bothered about it, but now yeah. I'm kind of thinking maybe I should be collecting. You should. Oh, yeah, maybe you I totally should be. Should. And especially now I'm playing some sets and I have started to buy records again. Yeah. I bought one of my tunes the other day. I was like, wow. Um, and I also found it in the bargain bucket. <laughs> but I was quite happy with that because yeah. I was like, I love a bargain. <laughs> and I think I put it up on Insta, but I was like, wow. Um, and you can pick up some real gem. I yeah. listen. My thing was making breaks. I used a lot of breaks before everybody else. Yeah, yeah. You know, the way, yeah. uh, the way we curated the Amen break, the way we curated a lot of breaks, a lot of people sampled those breaks from us. And you That's talk about that first sample CD that you did with Devon as well, with Blade Runner. Yeah. How that started getting used. Yeah, well, we it. did that purposely because we were just fed up with no one having weight. And then yeah. all these people putting out these, like, baggy, um, no-weight, uh, sample packs and when we did our one it blew everyone away yeah yeah and also we wanted to i wanted to push our sound and make it available so the young kids could actually go well now i can get that dread sound yeah yeah a little bit like what what um you know, Public Enemy, you know, when you look at Hank Shockley and look that they had a special production team that would produce those albums. And, yeah. and, and I guess in, in, in a roundabout way and an unconscious way, uh, and then uh, we were doing the same thing because I would pick my players, I would have my people together and I would work with these guys and it would take me, as much as they were young, and I was embracing the technology, it would push me forward. Right. And it, and, and it was my way of going, okay, I need to embrace this because this is new. You know, like just like when um, Ryder curated that sound, the two-step sound, and had Ed Rush and Optical with him and, and the whole wormhole thing, he was at the centre of that because yeah. he'd embraced that and brought those guys in. Yeah. And that was his time, just like V, you know, with that soulful funk, you know, Adam F. I mean, listen, there's some amazing artists that have been able to break through and to take it to the next level. You know, when when Goldie did uh, Inner City Life, it just changed the game, mm -hmm. you know, and that was when people took us seriously. Yeah. And that was when you look back and you just think, okay, cool. We're, this is now some, some next level business. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was, that was a beautiful thing. Um, and there was a lot of 
um, there's a lot of unsung heroes with, within the early days, but I'm glad that people like Remark and Busy and and all all the older guys and even what Chris what Night Force is what's doing yeah. that 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 they they are now coming back and having production and doing what they're doing because I think it's important you know when with the lights of uh, Kemet and Ibiza and uh, third party and 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 potential bad boy. I mean, listen, potentials. Yeah, Chris was extras. Yeah. You know, they both did testimonials in my book. I haven't mentioned everyone yet uh, in the book because we we cut. Blimey, is that the time? Yeah. Are you having a laugh? Have I been talking for that long? <laughs> I only asked you two questions. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Well, everyone knows that I like to talk. Can we get some questions yeah. up on the on, on the screen? Is that possible? Do you know what? I'm gonna. I've got. Uh, I've got you a got couple some. of questions from people. So yeah, if we if we can put, get some, like, put them to a minute. Otherwise, I just keep talking. What the hell? No. <laughs> really? Uh, Is that the time? Blimey. Thank you for coming to do no, this. respect, mate. Thank you. It's an honour for inviting me down. It really is, no mate. Worries. I really appreciate it. All right. So we've got a question from 10-inch press. Uh, it says, Ray to remix Don Keith uh, when he remixed tunes back in 93, 94. Uh, were you inspired by any particular clubs that you played at? No, I was just smoking weed and I wanted to go and see my girl. That's it. I wanted to knock up a dub plate. I'm going to the dance. I'm smoking a spliff. I'm making a bad boy tune. I'm cutting his tune. I'm playing this tune tonight. Done. I would not make a tune and go back to it. If I was going in for four or five hours, I yeah. was coming out with two tunes on, on that. Yeah. I was going to go and cut it and play it at the same night. Yeah. That was it. Done. Yeah. You know what? While we're talking about it, we've got to obviously talk about Music House, you know, uh, R.I.P. Leon. What yeah, I know, R.I.P. What Leon. I mean, listen, you see them two geezers. I get a bit emotional when I talk about Chris and I talk about uh, Fu Manchu, Paul, yeah. because they took me under their wing. They always said to me, there was a lot of, we didn't, you didn't get everything and it hurt sometimes but yeah. you wouldn't be included in that little club. I'll talk about that in the book. Yes. But yeah. that did harden me up and that was just the way it was. Uh, or a man even remixing your tune and you not even getting a piece. Yeah. You know what I'm talking to. And that hurt me. I won't yeah, go I'll into bet. But, um, and, and you know, I've had my fair share of whatever. But what I'm saying is, see those two geezers. I would stand in front of them if a bus was coming or a plane was landing because yeah. I love them that much. Yeah. They were integral. And they used to say to me, when I first talked to Chris, I never didn't, I, I never spoke to a, a yard man before. I didn't even know what he was saying. So I was like, yeah, I want to order five plates, yeah. And and then when I went down there and it was some little shack and I thought, what the hell is this place? But I just love them. Yeah. And they they are, it is, it is, if they're they they put us on the map and they we fed mouths. They fed our mouth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We cut the plate, we played the plate, other people would go and cut plates. We, we would all be cutting plates. Then they went to Metropolis, then they went here, then they went there, then they had their little clubs. I stuck at Music House. I was doing what I was doing. Big up my friend Noel, who was one of the first geezers, Noel Newton. You know, you, you know, he that geezer taught my other mate. Neil from Masterpiece, how to cut my chest. Oh, really? <laughs> so, if in in yeah. the do listen in the documentary that's coming. Yeah. The book was amazing. Yeah. And um, thank you everyone for all the love. But I'm I wanna I wanna strive to better. And I'm telling you, the documentary's gonna be off the hook. Wicked. Some people have already seen some of the snippets, and they're yeah. like, Ray, this is like lightning in a bottle. This is unbelievable. <laughs> and I and I directed and shot that. Um, 
Dave was asking the questions and then we've got two shoots in London and we've got one shoot shot in Bristol. Because again, I'm going to try and get as many people as I can who help influence us. But Music House, I mean, uh, if I could do a This Is Your Life with those two yeah, and give yeah. them a golden book and give them a banging holiday uh, for everything that they've done for us. I know it's all digital now, but those early days. And, and Leon was the new kid on the block with his little natty dreads, you know, and he was with Mampy Swift. I was talking to Mampy the other day and we miss him. Do you know what I mean? He yeah. was part of us. And, um, and it was so sad. Do you know what I mean? Like I was very fortunate to... I met him a couple of times because cool was around that 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 space um it was always a very gentle kind guy you know just always seems well, like that time look, at all. cool again integral they all played my tunes on the radio you know and 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 origin and and all the other stations too many to mention but though you know all of them that that were there that were playing my music because yeah. it was mad because we'd be driving around yeah i'd be putting the pirates on and they'd all be playing my tunes i didn't necessarily play it all of those clubs. Yeah. I, I played for Jungle Fever a few times, but yeah. there were certain clubs that I didn't, but my music was everywhere because everyone yeah. was playing. It was yeah. almost like I was in the dance anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then every negative I turned into a positive. So yeah, I didn't. I, I There was no format. It Just like how I listened to that tune and yeah. I went, yeah, I can tear that to pieces. Yeah. And I can go and I can make that golden that's yeah. that's the intent i wouldn't do anything that i didn't feel i could enhance it because yeah. sometimes you just can't do you yeah. know what i mean yeah like when they gave me the Mo moby thing i couldn't use any of the vocals so i just redid the whole tune used uh, one of their samples and yes yes and that was it yeah i built my own tune out yeah and that and that went on to be a huge hit you know um with the dub play thing when when did you first because at that point, people are playing test presses and what have you. When did you first think, I need to start getting my stuff cut? I need to start getting tunes cut? I was already cutting I was already cutting plates when I did 1992 with um, uh, with Orbital, the okay. remix. So, uh, so that's how long Chris has been cutting plates for me. Wow. Pre-Jungle. Yeah. So he was already cutting my stuff. Yeah. I was one of the first ones to ever go down there. So that's, that's how long my relationship with Chris is. Yeah. And the day I walked in there is the day that Fu Manchu Paul started. So <laughs> it was it was always meant to be yeah, that, yeah, I, that they yeah. would that that um I would I would embrace them and 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 they would be like family to me. And one day I've got to say this quickly. I know we haven't got time. Um, one day I um I went in there and I saw a bottle of water and they used to I don't know why they'd eat plain cream crackers. Nothing on them. Your mouth would be mashed up, especially if you'd been smoking. <laughs> it was like sandpaper in your mouth. And I, I was just, I'd obviously had a spliff and I was like, and I've taken one of these crackers. I was like, I need to get this out of my mouth. I can't swallow it. I said, Chris, what's going on with that Evian bottle down there? And he went, yeah, don't worry about it. He goes, yeah, take it. And Paul looks at me and said, yeah, take the tea, man. And I started to gulp this, this which I thought was water. As you would do, as, right? as you would do, and I'm gulping it because there's about that much left in the bowl, right? So it's that much left in a big Evian bowl. So that much is left. I'm I'm gulping it down, and as I'm gulping it down, I'm thinking, hang on a minute, why's my throat burning? Like my throat's really burning now. What the hell? My mouth's burning. I was drinking pure Ray and nephew. <laughs> And, and uh, I actually laughed out loud when I read that. And, and I was uh, like, and, 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 and I was like, are you serious right now? But you know, 
Ryder gave me my first spliff and I took the wrong train back to, I didn't even go to Harlow. I, uh, I didn't even go to Harlow. I, I didn't even go to Colchester. I was meant to go, I was meant to go to Clacton on Sea and I ended up in Dis, Norwich. And I had to get a cab back. Um, and I had to take a train back to Colchester and then from Colchester uh, to Clacton on Sea. So it like cost me 50 quid. Um, and it was a bit, it was a bit nuts. But, um, yeah, more questions. All right, okay. I think we could go to a quarter past three you know why not we we're go. here now there we go alright so while we get those warmed up uh, Keith Clark uh, he said what was the last event I like this question what was the last event you attended that you would have loved to have been on the dance floor and not on the decks there, 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 there's a bit inside me that wants to brock out every time I'm on the decks yeah I, you know I suppose after lockdown my last gig was bang face yeah. So it was bang right in the middle of when they were going to do lockdown. And then I think one of my first gigs coming back to the summer, I was so excited because I'd done the sit-down raves and I think it was in Bristol at Blue Mountain and I was I was full of emotion. And, um, and sometimes people can't see because it looks like sweat's dripping down your face, but actually I'm, I'm actually that emotional that I'm crying yeah. when I'm playing the tune but you can't see that yeah, yeah. you just think I'm sweating yeah, yeah. but there's something that when I hear that tune I mean there's been many times I just want to Paul Trouble Anderson used to do it a lot. He he didn't he just didn't give zeros and he'd just play the tune and go around and start boogieing <laughs> on the other side of the decks. And and I guess that would look odd to people. Um, but I I I have a good old dance when I'm at home sometimes in my yeah. studio. Yeah. Um, and I do love going dancing. So I don't really get the chance. But sometimes in my head, I suppose that would have been the time when I went to to special. There's special places that you go to. Bristol is one of them. Uh, when I go to E1, it, it gives me an overwhelming feeling like I'm in the end because um, the sound system's so sick and that's why I've, I've done my parties there. M my daughter, bless her, had her debut uh she was the, she like she says oh dad I want to I want to DJ so I stuck it on her and she'd done the warm up yeah at E1 the last party we did on the 7th of yeah. May so that was nice to see her up there yeah yeah and I was actually on the dance floor yeah but it was like a reflection of me yeah so because she's looked so cool and Joy was there and he was like we always knew Lola would go on the decks and he went Look at her, she looks like cute, cool as a cucumber, mate. She looks like you up there. But they've seen me DJ so many times and right. they, they keep me young with the music that they listen to because yeah. they listen to everything. Yeah. They're very eclectic. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I guess it's in my head. I guess it's in no, my head. Uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the end. So, uh, what an amazing club, right? Phenomenal space. Yeah, and Leo. Um, and uh, I was fortunate, I was a resident there for four years for Ram Records, so I had some good times down there. And I know that there was a plenty of events down there. That main room, there was just something about that kind of spaceship that had just landed in the middle of the dance floor that just gave you that direct connection to everyone there, right? It must, you must have had some amazing well, When Richard there. rang me and went, Ray, I want you to do a jungle D&B night here. I was the first one to go in there. Right, yeah. He gave me the green light. I was doing the black market nights there. Yeah. And then later on, I would go on and do other parties there. But that I curated the first ever. What, do you remember what, what year that was? 
when it started. So when the end opened a year afterwards, we were in Right, okay, yeah. Um, so we were the very first ones to go in there, and yeah. then everyone came in afterwards. You had trouble on vinyl, Renegade yeah. hardware, that everyone had residencies there, Ram was there, yeah. but we did the first parties there. Um, and they were incredible. But I think the best night was when we did a Trouble on Vinyl night and me and Nicky played back-to-back -back for two hours. And we, listen, every tune we played, we we shelled it. People yeah. was going nuts. I've had some incredible nights there and I feel that E1 is is that type of space. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I like the vibe. I, it's dark. Um it's got its little corners. It's got a great vibe to it. But that there, there was that. There was Peckham. There was Paradise. Um, they they were just f and I had residencies at all of them. They they, they were amazing. Mean, uh, Laser Drone. Yeah, yeah Laser Drone. Peckham. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. one of the first DJs in there, and, and before Sonia was in there, and before they were booking, I was booking Frost and Brian. Wow. And they, they were playing techno in there. Yeah. And then some guy booked me. And then, and then that's when it all changed, and then, and then it became what it became. Yeah, I, I used to go innocence. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I used to go down. Went down there three or four times in '92, uh, and I could never survive the main floor because you know, obviously at that stage I was kind of doing whatever. But you're walking in this laser skirmish, you're bumping into stuff. There's mirrors. You came out of there looking like someone had beaten the crap out of you because you bumped. You didn't know what you, where you was going, and also all the bridges. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, that's what I'm saying. The, the, this legacy of ours. And it was all linked up, do you know what I mean? And even like places that we used to play at EUA, EUA with, um, I didn't know TI then, he, he, but he was doing it with a guy called Bunny at the waterfront and we used to work with them. And, and then 10 years, 15 years later, TI would become uh, uh, yeah. a, a massive artist himself. So yeah. everyone's connected. Critical Impact used to work in the office at ATM. <laughs> So there's so many people yeah, that yeah. came through us. Do you yeah, know what I mean? And yeah. and it's been amazing. Yeah, it, it really has. Some more questions. Uh, Dorian, do you want to bring the iPad in because obviously we're not getting any joy with any questions on the screen. And I want mind taking a few off of yeah. Facebook if anyone's out there. I don't even know if anyone's watching <laughs> because we haven't seen any interaction. I don't know what's going on, whether it's crashed or opened or whatever. But anyway, yeah, I've got I've got one more question. Go on. From Aston. Well, Acid Aston. <laughs> I don't know him any money, do I? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, go. He says, uh, please ask him if he enjoyed the bed and breakfast he supplied years ago when he stayed at you when he stayed at his parents' house. Yeah, of course. Like, listen, those geezers are a, a, a family to me, you know, like. I remember going to his mum and dad's house and engineering at his mum and dad's house, and that's how we were. Yeah. We were tight, you know. Yeah. And that goes for everyone in the in the scene, you know, like all the people I've been away with, all the people that that we DJ and MC with, and the promoters. I've met some incredible people, and Aston Aston is one of them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Hundred percent. I think we're getting some questions. They're the, they're the type of people yeah. that that are integral and 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 that you find. Um, you know they've got your back yeah. do you know what I mean and, and it doesn't matter if I haven't seen him um, it doesn't it doesn't matter if I haven't seen him in 10 years time yeah. do you know what I mean yeah you've got that connection alright so we've got this question I'm not sure who they're from but uh, first one it was why is Dread called Dreads uh, I'm a big um, 
sci-fi fan and I love uh, I love Stallone and when he brought out uh, Judge Dredd uh, I looked at that and I was like this I need a name that's that's not gonna um, change with, with with like the timeline yeah yeah and I did and but if I put Dredd as in D R E D um, I could have used that but when I came up with Dread and then Brian went what Dread you know and I was like yeah that's kind of and, and that kind of sums it all up I think it, it, it just so so I watched the movie and I saw the badge and I was like and then I was like and then Phil called me and he's like Ray we need to get this label sorted because I'd already done the remixes of um, uh, um, Oxford Hardcore uh, What's My Code and that came out and he was like Ray we need to launch the label now yeah. I'd already done three or four tracks ready to go and then I said Phil what do you reckon about Dread and he went you know what that's the one dread so so yeah that dread dread is dread nice uh how did ray find the samples in his tracks so basically i'm i'm a avid record hunter and i'll still go out and buy records now if mm. i hear something yeah actually i went to manchester was it liverpool about just before the pandemic yeah. and i bought a white label of new orders um blue monday blue monday wow test press I, I bought it for 40 quid. It was just on the wall and I was like, is that real? And he was like, yeah. I was like, mate, that's got to come with me. And you know who produced that tune? No. Quincy Jones. Really? So what, that's Bloody what I'm saying. Hell. Like all of these tunes, like people have had mad influences on. That's crazy. And um, I, 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 I'm I, the avid sampler, so I will lift off a break. That Maceo break that... Fotec used and then Source Direct used afterwards. I left that in his sampler in Ipswich yeah. and then they, they took that break. Yeah. But I would say a good 20 breaks in, in the jungle scene have come clean from me because yeah. I, I always was a breaks hunter yeah. and I sample records. That's breaks. how you get the breaks and then you cut them up and then you make them to how you want to make yeah. them. I love the sound out, Breaks Hunter. There's something very cool about yeah, that. Like, like Avid. I uh, still look for samples now. Uh, Hence, I told you yeah. about that tune that I'd done for... Well, we, <laughs> I'm going to send it to Chris anyway, but yeah, it's a banger. Um, uh, how do you see the drum and bass sound going forward? Um, it's always evolving. Mm. You can't really harness that. Yeah. You know, um, what happens is a one sound comes out, People will want to jump on it. And I guess the best way that I, I, I deal with things is I just make it my own. Yeah. So I put my own spin on it. So yeah. I've got a tune called Amnesia coming on my album. My new album's quite called Birdman because through lockdown, every morning I was waking up, I was feeding the birds. And that's before <laughs> I had a, a, a dog. And, um, and it was called Birdman. So, yeah. um, I've done some tracks with Elisa, who I've been producing for the last few years. Yeah. Um, and she's on her way now. She's got a couple of EPs coming out. But I I I I um I I just I just embrace whatever it is and take the best out of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. listen, I love I love it from break uh to 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 um uh, to Ricky Force, to whoever, who uh, you know, to Marcus Visionary, to to, to one of our guys, um, Fleck. You know what I mean? Like from Blade Runner to Noisier, yeah. From from potential bad boy to to I don't know, like uh, 
feeds us, you know, a, a, a new kid that's making kind of tech neuro. It, listen, it's all jungle to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. If it's in my box and I'm playing it, yeah, that's that means I'm feeling. It. I had a wicked gig on Saturday. I played for Goatshed. I did a live stream for them. Yeah, uh, uh, and. I played in their club and they got it and they were going nuts. Nice. It was, it was absolutely mad. Nice. All right. Uh, so this question is, how did the remix of Moby come around? Absolute anthem. Who wasn't shouting yes, yes in the dance during 94? And actually that's become a slogan now, isn't it? Because people actually say yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I guess, yeah, do you know what? I've been blessed. Like I've really, it, it, I've always been at the right place at the right time. Right. It seems it seems that that God's always given me. And when I've been on my ass, Jay, he, there's always been a door open for me. You know, mm -hmm. there was one time I was broke and it was Christmas and work got cancelled. And uh, I, when I was married to my ex-wife, I always used to. It's mad how you do things with money, but I, I'd, I had an envelope. I put my envelopes in the drawer. Right. Sometimes it was cash or it was bank transfer. Yeah. And I went into the drawer, and luckily there was five hundred quid in there. And I was like, "This is Christmas sorted." Yeah. Done. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and there's uh, listen. There's been times where I haven't paid my mortgage and I've gambled like SS, and uh, but the gambles paid off either on a release or a record or something. Yeah. And and but if you don't put all your eggs in one basket and you take a risk, then you're never going to know. And some of them haven't worked out. Yeah. You know, I crashed out at Brick Lane, and I owed them money. And it's funny, I was there the other day and I, I saw them, and um, and it turns out that we're going to be recording in my old studio. They're, no way. It's nuts how the world and the universe yeah, yeah. works. Yeah. And I remember being in there, and Offer called me, and I was like, "This is it now." And he came in and he went, Ray, get your stuff and F off. And I was like, what? He was like, get your stuff by, ne by the end of the week and go. He goes, you'll be back when, you, when, when things get better. Yeah. And I went, I thought to myself, look at that. Mm. Like, and people owed me money and knocked me for money. Yeah. I'd been owed money from ATM. I'd been owed money, you know, and this had a knock-on effect. Yeah. Someone had used my studio and taken liberties and yeah. not paid me. And I'd felt it, you know, and my mum died and that came all crashing down in 2003. Yeah. That was a tough year for me. But that, it, everything went wrong. Yeah. Like, you name it, it yeah. went wrong. And even Dave was like, what the hell? Because when someone's reliving it with you, and I hadn't talked about it for so long, it's like, wow, how did how did how did you come out of this? Yeah. But then you just go forward and you reinvent yourself and you keep pushing yourself. So And the, and this is what I found <coughs> as a theme throughout the book, you know, and like you say, like that 2003 was a very low time for you. But that kind of resilience and perseverance throughout it, you know, you 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 kind of championing along with you, going like, yeah, come on, mate, you're going to get out of this, you're going to get out of this. And, well, and, and people don't know what's behind the eyes, right? So what you see in front is not always what's going on behind the eyes. Which is what you talk about, like that dark soldier, that facade, yeah, right? That, that's the that's the when I just go, you know what? And that's when I took my fight against Lee Cage, and I want to big up all the guys that that I train with, you know, like. <clears throat> I just dropped some books off yesterday to um, Big John, my coach, um, Gavin uh, Conway, and then um, Duffy, Liza. Um, oh, I don't know, I've forgotten his name now. Come back to me. Um, 
there was Nick the mechanic who sparred with me. <clears throat> there was also um, Daz. He's an EBA champion. All of these guys, you know, they changed my life. You know, it's about discipline. Yeah. And I, I guess I, I was a, I did martial arts when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but that whole dark soldier facade, I suppose, is your protection of what helps you to get it's your armor. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. To yeah. get free. But you know, now notice I don't really wear. No, I used to wear loads of jewelry. Yeah. Because it was something that I felt that I needed to do. Like you put on your your warrior jacket or your knuckle dusters or whatever you're going to do to protect yeah. yourself. Yeah. But now I feel at peace. And I've kind of, and and I wanted. Listen, it's all right to be angry, but you need to find a way out of it. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, you can't help what you feel. Yeah. but there's always a different way. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. and, and to be disciplined and fight. Um, you know, I felt sorry for just going on the fight. You know, I watched Amir Khan the other day. He did. He he just looked lost in there. Yeah. And I, uh, but I knew Kel Brook was prepared. I knew Kel Brook. Yeah had gone that extra mile and he wanted it. Yeah. And if you want something, you know, um, th then then that that's that's what you're going to get. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you put it out there. And you're not always going to get what you want, but, like, as long as you reach for the stars, like, if you get a couple of clouds, then, you, and then that, <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You're always yeah, yeah. going to, like, yeah. you know, something's going to come back. And if it doesn't come back now, it might come back in five years' time or three years' time. Yeah. But I think if you just got that, dedication in your heart and there's lots of people that have helped my journey and lots of people that have inspired me and some I haven't mentioned today so I apologise for that but memory's getting old they're in the book though I, I've tried to yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's some people that I've missed yeah. and I, the, the, but I put a, a nice little message in there to say look if I have forgotten you it's not the end, yeah. Because I'm gonna, we're gonna ma ma be making a documentary. We're gonna be making films. I'm, I'm, I'm kicking down the doors until the old ticker stops ticking, and, yeah. and, and we're gonna keep pushing and inspiring and bringing in new talent. That's what yeah. we're about. Yeah, nice, mate. Well, on that note, mate, I'd say Ray Keith, Dark Soldier. Come on, get direct. Thank you very much. We're going to send a link in there so you can find it nice and easy. Listen, it's been a real pleasure. Right. Uh, um, Floyd speaks very highly of you. Well, that's very um, kind. I just wanted that's to nice. name check a couple of my people. I wanted yeah. to say a big shout out to Floyd, Antonio, um, Andy Pandy. Um, I wanted to say a big shout out to Martin, Ninja Martin. I want to say a big shout out to all my kids, um, everybody that knows me. Um, all the promoters, all my DJ pals, male, film, female, everybody I've worked with. I've just, you know what? I've had an amazing, amazing um, time doing what I'm doing and I still love what I'm doing. Do more to I mean? come, mate. Oh, mate, I can't wait. I'm, I feel like, I feel like we've done the dress rehearsal <laughs> and this is, the, this, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Floyd said to me the other day, Ray, if we can ride that wave one more time, how yeah. good would that be? <laughs> Do you know, there's a, there's a thing you said earlier that really resonated with, resonated with me is that we've graduated now. This is where we're going to go. Love 100%, that. 100%, because yeah. it's taken a lifetime to learn things, you know. And yeah. you do get burnt along the way. And listen, you know, <clears throat> I, what I've learned is forgiveness is probably the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And making amends. Because if we don't put more love in the world, we're just going to live in this disgruntled, awful, hate... Like, and I and I see that, you know, I yeah. can see that. Yeah. And greed, 
Do you know what I mean? There's enough to go around for everyone and we don't tear down, we build. So if I can bring you up, if yeah. I can bring you in, yeah, if I can give you a leg up, yeah. then that's cool. But, you know, and, but that's your responsibility not to forget that when you're on the way up. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's been nice for us to see Blade Runner Serum and Voltage to come back and do the King of the Rollers uh, and do their nights and bring the lights of us. Like the other day, me, Brocky, like last year, uh, me, as we came out of lockdown, me, Brocky, and Mickey Finn were doing a back-to-back. I mean, that was sick. <laughs> and we rolled out for two hours. Yeah, and nice. I was like, and we all played as one. Yeah. Because we were all just blending. And I think there's a lot more of that to come. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think there's a lot more of those things where you just go, actually, you know what? We're just doing what we're doing. And mm. and plenty of testimonials so people don't have to be skinned. People can make their way because it's been hard these last two years. But well, I think what we realised is we don't actually need as much as what we thought we needed. Well, actually, and also what we, what we think we want is actually we've already got it family you know that's one thing that i've definitely seen a lot of people myself included being forced to stay at home it's like well actually this is great i get to spend more time with my kids and my wife and you know and i think there's a lot of that and i think there's been more people appreciating that all right i've actually what i need is right in front of me or inside you know and that's another important one as well is that everything anyone ever needs is all inside there and i think it's been a real journey but you know hopefully we're all the better for it right i think so yeah i think i think the way we're rolling out now 23 24 is when we're really gonna come back to some normality at the moment we've got to live with what's going on yeah um and we've got to adapt and um and we've just got to go, go forwards you know we're, we're in a tough time uh at the moment uh but I just want to thank everybody that's had uh, a part in my career. Thank you very much. And yeah, I just love what I do and I'm just a geezer that loves playing music. So thank you very much for today. Respect I didn't really man. actually know how to feel about today because I was thinking, what's he going to ask me? And we haven't played no music. My apologies about that. But we'll make it up for... We'll do a part two. We could do a part two. Maybe we should do a part two and then play some some tunes further down the line. Um, but thank you for everybody that has has taken upon taken upon it themselves to buy the book. I'm very blessed, and you know all the people that's reached out to me. I've tried to message back. Do you know what I mean? And hopefully, um, actually, do you know what we should actually do a live Q and A next time? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe do a Q and A, so we've got more time for that, and then and then maybe I'll, I'll play play some tunes uh, uh, for the last half. So do an hour Q and A, uh, and an hour of. And I, I, what did you think about the book? I really enjoyed it. I think it was very honest, which I think is great, right? I think there's no point writing a life story if you're not going to be honest. I think. It was great. You went into great detail with your early life, the relationship with your dad and your mum and the family. So I think it really, I'm actually kind of getting goosebumps. It's actually set in the scene of, of the family, your life, your introduction to music. And again, just that every other chapter that talked about like today, as you were writing the book. So all the events of today by month were going on by years. I'd never read anything like that. And it, it really did make you feel like you were actually like sitting next to you as you're writing it. I, I want to thank Dave Jenkins because we wanted, what the goal that we both set out to do was to make something different from everybody else. Yeah. But make it, make it, um, 
make it so you could draw reference to times and dates mm -hmm. of the pandemic. Yeah. And then also go, but hang on a minute, let's go back to Ray's book because he actually put that date down. Yeah, yeah. And we went to great lengths to kind of be as, I mean, listen, we're not going to get it on the day and the time yeah. and the hour, but we did a lot of research and I'd already written about, 24,000 words before the book came out wow. that he took, he took it over. Yeah. So I sent him what I had yeah. and he actually had a reference. Right. And then I was like, I don't want you to um, ghostwrite this. I want to co-write this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and that's what we did. Yeah. And I feel that's a great achievement yeah. for me. Mate, you've had an amazing life so far uh, and I think that book captures it really, really well, Thank mate. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the next few chats. Yeah, today. like we've got some, we've got some mad shizzle to be getting on with and I'm really excited. I, I've got, I've got an amazing uh, creative team around me and, and, and now I know what we've done and what we've achieved and I'm looking at my peers of what they've achieved and I'm like, well, you know, Watch this space, do you know what I mean? Watch this space. Thank you very Love much, it. everyone. We couldn't see any of the feed today. I don't know what's going on with what with anything. But anyway, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, big shout out to Jay Cunning for coming over and doing this. And My pleasure, Yeah, it was mate. all unexpected. But thank you very much, brother. Thank you, mate. Nice. Don't forget, catch me Thursday with the Dreadcast 1, 2, 3.